I'd like to call the special meeting of the City Council Public Finance Authority to order. Madam Clerk, call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick? Here. Councilmember Mosier? Here. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark? Here. Mayor Strickland? Here. Councilmember McKeon? Here. Councilmember Bolton? Here. Councilmember Burns? Here. All present. Thank you. Um, please stand for our Pledge of Allegiance, led today by Councilman Casey McKeon. Please stand if able. Ready, begin. Please remain standing for our invocation. Our invocation will be led today by Huntington Beach Police and Fire Chaplain James Pike. Let us pray. Almighty God, you are the author of covenants and laws that allow for the flourishing of your people in the land that you gave them. We pray for these deliberations tonight as we consider our charter and our laws, that the same spirit might be upon us for the sake of flourishing, abundance, and prosperity of our people in Huntington Beach. Look kindly on us with your providence, and we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, members, going down the agenda, City Clerk, do we have any supplemental communication? Yes, Mayor, for administrative item number two, we received 76 emails regarding potential charter amendments. We've actually received more, but they'll all be uploaded into the record, and, and that many were uploaded earlier today onto the website. And we also received a letter from Julia Gomez, Senior Staff Attorney for the Civ um, American Civil Liberties Union, Foundation and Paul Spencer, Senior Attorney for Disability Rights, California, regarding the potential charter amendments. And that was received this afternoon. Okay. City Clerk, do we have anyone sign up to speak? Yes, I think we're, we're at 33. So I'm going to go ahead and call the first 10 to come forward. Please come, and, come on down and approach both podiums. Shirley Detloff, Shami D. Luann Shoup, Terry Rose, Buzz McCord, Paul Horgan, Marianne Selander, Cindy, Laura Sire, Diane Bentley. At this time, the City Council will receive comments from members of the public regarding discussion of potential charter amendments for the March 5, 2024 statewide primary election. Individuals wishing to provide a comment may do so in person by filling out a request to speak form delivered to the city clerk. All speakers are encouraged but not required to identify, identify themselves by name. Each speaker may have up to 90 seconds unless the volume of speakers warrants reducing the time allowance. Please note that the Brown Act does not allow discussion or action on topics that are not on the agenda. Members of the public who would like to speak directly with a council member on an item not on the agenda may consider scheduling an appointment by contacting the city council's administrative assistant at 714-536-5553 or emailing the entire city council at city.council at surfcity-hb.org. Mayor, Mayor Strickland, yes. before we move forward, I just want to um, note that our city attorney, Michael Gates, has requested permission to be absent from tonight's meeting per section, Charter Section 309D, and our acting chief assistant city attorney, Paul D'Alessandro, is attending in his place. Thank you. Uh, who would like to open? Thanks for being here. Uh, good evening, members of the city council. My name is Shirley Detloff. 
a resident of Huntington Beach since 1964 and mayor in 1997. I'm here tonight to let you know that the charter amendment should not be on a ballot in March, but that you regroup and turn the role over to a charter revision committee made up of citizens. If you had done this in the first place, you would not be in a position of so many citizens protesting the work you have done. You have received criticism from the press, even the Orange County Register. Your constituents told you that the idea of a flag amendment was unnecessary since you already have an ordinance that states what flags have been flown on city property. You are going against state law with insisting that voter ID be enforced and the state has reminded you of this with the threat of another lawsuit. How many of these lawsuits are we going to lose? If we are not a part of the election process run by the county, what will be the cost to our citizens when there is no evidence of voter fraud in the county? Nothing has been found to even suggest voter uh, fraud. You have, I feel, made a big political mistake as well as one where you faced intense opposition from the community. Please, if you feel you must have something in a ballot, wait for November as none of these are emergency measures. It's time to get back to governing our city and watching our infrastructure needs, our financial position, sea level rise. It will now be your responsibility as the Environmental Committee could have done this for you. Also, remember maintaining all that has been achieved by the councils before you, a great park system. Thank you. Thanks for being here. I'm sorry, I didn't give you the 10 seconds. I apologize. Next, next speaker. talk about voter suppression, not voter ID. Voter suppression is a huge issue at local elections due to the extremely low voter turnout. Moving to locally run elections would not only cost the city millions of dollars annually, it would likely cut voter participation by 35 to 40 percent. In local municipal elections, due to the limited hours, seven to seven, and limited number of days, usually four, the people who vote end up being unrepresentative set of politically active, wealthy, retired, older residents who will control what the city's policies are, what the city spends its money on. Is it fair to working residents, middle-aged and younger, with family responsibilities? Nationwide, municipal elections only average a 27% turnout of eligible voters. In Redondo, which has been much discussed here, in 2021, the voter turnout was only 27.63%. As a result, in 2022, they switched to an all-male election to decrease costs and improve turnout. Make no mistake, voter ID is simply a dog whistle for mega voters, and our council majority is proposing a system that enables a much smaller number of people to control- 10 seconds. One that will prevent many people under 60 who are raising families from voting. You have to wonder if this isn't actually their objective. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening, my name is Terry Rose and until the four new council members were elected, I didn't pay much attention to our city council because it ran. And although council members had different opinions on any given subject, they seemed to work for the good of the whole, not for their own advancement. I read through the 35 emails that were attached to tonight's agenda. With the exception of one email that talked about air show noise, the other 34 opposed at least one of the proposed charter amendments or what four new members want to do with the library. I too am opposed to any changes to our charter unless and until a committee, which includes the three neglected council members and members of the community from all walks of life, 
who are ready and willing to work together for the good of the city of Huntington Beach and not be self-serving. I'm particularly concerned about the bundling of the measures which I mentioned on Tuesday when I spoke. They need to be broken up as separate measures with any fiscal impact explained. I'm also opposed about the voter ID requirement, the proposed changes to the city clerk's qualifications and the autonomy, I guess it's gone now, of the city attorney who doesn't share information anyway. Lastly, I think all ad hoc committees should be rendered null and void and all suggestions and items passed to date by the unbalanced ad hoc committee composed of only your buddies should be reviewed and reconsidered since you, Mayor Strickland, drew a line in the sand about us versus them. Ten until seconds. the council's ad hoc committee includes members from both sides. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening, Mayor Strickland and Council. My name is Paul Horgan. I'm a Huntington Beach resident, and I speak to the city's proposal to amend its charter to act to add Section 105 entitled Special Provisions Relative to Municipal Elections. I urge you to reject the proposed ordinance. It addresses a non-existent problem, could well result in significant unnecessary city expense, and according to the Attorney General, conflicts with state law. But perhaps the worst thing uh, I, I believe about this is that by enacting the ordinance, the city will give credence to the dangerous myth that our elections, including the 2020 presidential election, may be rigged. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. It is abusive for this city teetering on broke to spend a million bucks for a rushed up election. But first, Tuesday evening, Ms. Vandermark justified voting against public health policy with this medical opinion, quote, many people died from COVID, however, many more died from depression suicide. Here's a suicide data from the year leading up to COVID. In 2019, a pre-COVID year, U.S. suicides totaled 47,000. In 2022, there were 49,000 suicides. Last year, there were 244,000 COVID deaths. It was a slow year. If every single suicide in 2022 was related to COVID, Gracie is wrong by a factor of five. Otherwise, she's wrong by a factor of around 100. Click, two times. When I fly, I want the pilot to use accurate data. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I wanted the doctor to use accurate data. When the city spends tax money, I want the council to use accurate data. Two days ago, I gave you reports from Caltech and the Heritage Foundation. They found Orange County Registrar run elections had zero fraud. Mr. Mayor, please discipline your council to use accurate information, especially for decisions about elections that are going to blow my money needlessly. Let the Orange County Registrar continue to do flawless work. Don't fix what isn't broken. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Hi, I'm Marianne Sealander. I'm a sixth generation Californian and a resident of Huntington Beach for 48 years. I oppose all of the amendments. They are fiscally irresponsible, especially the changes to the voting. I feel it's wrong for the majority to use your power to divide our town with your culture wars. Do any of you remember when Huntington Beach was called the skinhead capital of Orange County? No. What is it that attracts people like that to our beach town? I feel like like-minded people are not only voting here, but, are, but at least one serves on council. Mayor Pro Tem, 
It seems that the internet is forever. The pictures you took down are still there. I was shocked to see photos at Tuesday's meeting of you with the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers. Natalie, thanks for bringing it to our attention. You were wrongly sanctioned. If you do pass the amendments, Vandermark needs to step aside so someone from the minority can help balance the discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for being here. My name's Luann Shoup, and I've had opportunity to use my ID six times this week, and it's only Thursday. And I stopped to think about it, and I realized that I use my ID all the time. A week doesn't go by where I am not required to show my ID. Even the homeless have an ID. Yet when it comes to voting for who runs this great president, we don't need an ID. To me, that is demeaning. I just honestly don't get it. And you want to know another interesting thing? My son is a registered voter for the last five years in Florida. His mail-in ballot is still coming to our house. Now, I shred it, but you know a lot of people have left California in the last few years? I wonder how many of their ballots are coming to their old addresses here in California. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. My name is Diane Bentley, and I'm a 22-year resident of Huntington Beach. After running on a platform promising no changes to the Huntington Beach City Charter, the extremist majority on the City Council is breaking its promises and proposing radical and unnecessary charter changes that are costly in the extreme and will negatively impact the voting rights of HB citizens. The Orange County Registrar of Voters has years of experience in running secure and safe elections, and its voting system offers voters a range of ways to safely vote in the manner that they desire. In Huntington Beach, a large majority of voters of all ages take advantage of mail-in voting, and our ballots are validated by proven methods to make sure there is little voter fraud. There has also been no evidence that depositing completed ballots in ballot drop boxes leads to voter fraud of any kind. The proposed charter changes will only make it harder for all HB voters to exercise their voting rights. One can only assume, therefore, that the extremist city council majority proposing these unnecessary and unwise changes have a hidden agenda in their drive to bring elections in-house. It's time for you to fess up to your real purpose and stop disrupting a voting system that effectively serves all HB citizens. Ten, ten seconds. All right, thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for being here. Good evening, Mayor and Mayor Pro Tem and City Council members. Um, I want to not forget this because I had my talk on my phone and I accidentally deleted it right before it came. <laughs> but I, so I want to remember to thank um, council members, in particular Mosier, Kalmick, and Bolton, for having been standing in the fire all these weeks and months. <laughs> No matter what, um, I, I really admire you and I, I thank you. Thanks for reaching out to the state on our behalf and also to uh, the Registrar of Voters. To, they're looking out 
for, for us, for all of Huntington Beach. But anyway, I'm here tonight, this last meeting, um, wondering why we've been here, because it's, we're, we're expressing our, in, it's supposed to be to collect our input and community input, and yet it's like that song, um, Sounds of Silence, listening, what is it, hearing without, <laughs> hearing without listening, that one, um, because we're not listened to. It's, that's the way it's been going, and I Ten don't seconds. see why it would be any different. Oh, that was really fast. Okay, well, thank you. I oppose especially the voting. That's the most egregious and most ex thank you. expensive. Thank you so much. Illegal. Cindy, uh, voter and resident. Uh, I wanted to draw everybody's attention to this website, NCL, NCSL. And if you can't open it on your phone tonight, maybe you can take a picture of the website. It's the National Council of State Legislators, ncsl.org. And when you get to that website on their search engine, enter voter ID. You're going to find a lot of helpful information about states across the country that have voter ID. And I think it's important to get truthful information. So it turns out that there are 35 states across the country that either request or require voters to have ID. When it's request, it's called um, uh, non-strict re registration, and when it's uh, required, it's called a strict law. But of those 35 states, only nine of those 35 states have a strict law requiring photo ID, and an additional three have uh, non-photo strict laws. So what were the consequences of that? In North Carolina, the, Calif the North Carolina Supreme Court upheld a lower court ruling that struck down the state voters' ID law. In North Dakota, it was legislated and banned and had to be amended to be able to be brought forward. Ten seconds. In Arkansas, it was in court. In 2016, the federal court of Wisconsin in the Wisconsin area ruled it to be unconstitutional. Thank you. Thanks Please so go much. to the website. Thank you. Okay. Uh, now I'm clerk the next, the next group. Next group, Kathy Ryder, Mary Jo Baratish, Pat Goodman, Senator Dave Min, Ann Palmer, David Reinerson, Neil, Dennis, TJ England, Mary Kyle. Orange County is home to 1.6 million voters. Oh. <laughs> thank you for being here. Oh, thank you, um, Mayor Strickland, City Council, uh, Pat Goodman from Huntington Beach, and uh, I guess we're down to about eight possible amendment, charter amendments. Uh, the two most concerning, of course, are the voter taking over election administration and as unnecessary and costly, and the flag issue, again, which is creating more bureaucracy and unnecessary. In my research and trying to prepare for these meetings, um, I came across this video about uh, a PSA about elections, and it was done by former council member uh, Tito Ortiz in 2012, 
And I believe that there's a strong message for all of us there, especially our leaders, about what you need to be doing to promote volunteerism and the need for election workers. So it's a message that's relevant today, and we'll have it shown right County now. Thank you. County is home to 1.6 million voters, one of the largest jurisdictions in the country. The Registrar of Voters needs thousands of volunteers to work presidential election in 2012. So demonstrate your patriotism by joining your neighbors and serving our community. Democracy only works when we participate. So get involved now. Go to ocvote.com today. I'm coming for you. Thank you. That's what we need to be Thank doing. Thank you. Next, next speaker. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Okay, good evening, Mayor and City Council members. My name is Mary Jo Baratich. We still do not have any adequate reasoning from you as to why you still are pushing for voter ID and other voting ID days. It does not make sense in an expense that we do not need. The Orange County Register of Voters already checks each ballot to verify if the voter is registered and legitimate. The Attorney General Von Rambada also told the city that they're asking for identification at the polling places against California law. If Huntington Beach insists a voter identification requirement, there will be legal challenges. We citizens do not need to foot the bill for more lawsuits. Once again, we want to, we want to see the actionable evidence and data to justify these proposed changes in our election procedures. Show that evidence or pull your proposed I, voter ID amendment. Additionally, the last minute attachment to tonight's agenda shows more items that we were not given to us before in writing. Please explain each and how they will be placed on the ballot. Finally, please provide the, please remove the bundling together of unrelated items in the proposed charter amendments on the ballot. It confuses voters by forcing a yes or no Ten seconds. on unrelated items. If any proposed amendments are going to appear in the ballot, then each should be standalone. And thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Next speaker, thanks for being here. Sure. Uh, David Reinerson, 27-year uh, resident. First, I feel compelled to respond to my fellow citizens' Jeopardy skit at the last council meeting. They made a large list of things you can't do without showing a driver's license, including buy alcohol or cigarettes, donate blood, or do banking. I wonder what alternate reality they live in, since I, in fact, do all of these things, except buy cigarettes, since I don't smoke, without ever showing a driver's license. The sole exception is to fly since 9-11. I want to point out that none of these things is a right. They are all privileges. So perhaps my fellow citizens would have been better served by watching less Jeopardy and paying more attention in their civics and government class. Second, I went through the supplemental communications posted on the website for the last four charter meetings. Here's what I found. In favor, 10. In, in opposition, 189. You've heard, you've heard a similar ratio in the in-person comments at each meeting. This means that nearly 95% of the feedback you have received is in opposition to your proposals. If you're really committed to community feedback and the principles of democracy, the course of action is clear. Drop these ill-conceived and unpopular charter amendments, do your homework on Measure C, and stop waging the culture wars and get back to governing our city for all of its inhabitants. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening, Honorable Mayor, City Council members. My name is Dennis, and I'm a resident of Huntington Beach for a long time. My dear old daddy used to say, if you're going to object, try not to be objectable. 
The last council meeting I failed in that and I do apologize. The city council is going to deal with number uh, 312 with a vacancy on the council. We voters have elected over the years some really, really questionable people and the council has managed to select their own favorable, questionable people. Under the way this is written, a questionable individual would not be, would, would not be replaced until, the council, until they voted on the general election. And because of the timing of that, that person could exist in council for anything from 12 to 15 months. If we have the authority to change the, the charter on the primary, or on the, uh, on the general, we also have the authority to change and vote for an election on an individual or on the general. This absolutely needs to be changed. Uh, Measure C has served us very well for a lot of years. I absolutely agree with that. Measure C was designed to put a pair of handcuffs on, Ten our, seconds. on our government. It should be done, it should, not, it should, not, it should be opposed. And as for the as for the the thank you. I'm sorry, thank we're you. out of time. Thank you for being here, though. Thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for being here. Hi, I'm T.J. England. I'm here again. Uh, it has been an interesting uh, experience attending these meetings in the last months. Once again, I repeat what so many people have asked. Voter fraud, where is the evidence? We've asked over and over and over. Where is the evidence of voter fraud? None has been produced that I can see. We've also asked, how much is this going to cost us if the Orange County Registrar of Voters doesn't assist us in our voting? Who's going to run the election if we take it on? Will it be the four majority members? It totally politicizes our voting system. I just don't understand it. How can you bring back integrity to an election system that has no evidence of fraud? I'd like to thank Mr. McKeon for his surprising uh, disagreeing votes in the last meeting. Thank you so much. 10 seconds. I'd like to uh, also uh, protest against nepotism. Nia, I can't even say it. Nip, nip, nepotism. nepotism. You're out of time at Thank nepotism. You. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Next speaker. Thanks for being here. Hi, I want to talk here tonight directly to Casey. Um, first, I want to say thank you for uh, voting to have this process in the first place. Um, I think it does take a measure of courage to break from what is obviously a strong 4-3 uh, alignment. So clearly there are some things that you did want to make you know, some decisions on, and we do appreciate that. I, think, I hope it's clear that for that. Um, I did notice as well, last council meeting, you were very focused on that delta of $42,000, you know, the difference across the years. And I hope you'll, uh, you know, have that same focus on the cost associated here with these election items and take into consideration, you know, the impact that it will have. You've positioned yourself here um, to take responsibility for whatever happens as a result of this process. I hope you're ready to wear the consequences within the community. Um, thank you. 
Thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for being here. Mary Kyle, 25-year uh, Huntington Beach resident. I strongly oppose the voter ID amendment to the charter. Uh, regarding voter ID, I have an email from Fred Whitaker, chairman of the Orange County GOP. The email is dated November 17, 2022. And among other things, the email addresses ballot harvesting and universal vote by mail. The email tells Republican voters that the 2024 election begins now. As the final results come in, we have raw data to review and determine what worked and what we need to improve on. We need to know immediately, what we know immediately is that ballot harvesting had made a democracy about who can collect and turn in more ballots rather than earning votes. An email from Fred Whitaker dated October 13, 2022 states, only with Republican victories can we pass important election integrity legislation, including voter ID and finally ending universal vote by mail. Clearly, the proposed voter ID charter amendments comes not from Huntington Beach residents, but directly from the Orange County GOP. The Orange County GOP has a dubious history with election integrity. Our Huntington Beach residents believe that the election system designed by the majority city council members, no doubt in conjunction with the Orange County GOP, are free, safe, and fair? I think not. In 2020 elections, the Orange County GOP placed illegal drop boxes throughout the city. Two Orange County GOP candidates were investigated for running illegal, at least one illegal vote center. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks yep. for being here. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. HB voter and resident since 1985. This entire process has been flawed from the beginning. Our current charter clearly states that a review is to be done by a citizen committee, and that certainly didn't happen with these proposed charter amendments. You see the recently elected campaign on no ad hoc committees, and that was a broken promise. In 2022, 80% of the Huntington Beach voters had enough trust in the integrity of the voting process to vote by mail. If our elections were so flawed, how do we know that anyone elected in 2022 is even legitimate? So why are we changing our, con our charter to accommodate only 20% of our HP voters? That is not good fiscal policy to allow such a small minority to force voting changes to be enshrined into our city, into our city charter with no regard for future cost. That's just not good fiscal policy. I'm a fiscal conservative, and this is just wrong. And all of us already know that it's a foregone conclusion that there will be some ill-conceived charter amendments on the March ballot. So let's at least unbundle them, make each one stand alone. In spite of a projected deficit, we seemingly have enough funds available. So let's go ahead and do the right thing, unbundle and let each amendment stand on its own merits or fail. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Hi. Thank you for allowing everybody to go through this process. It's very interesting, Mr. Mayor, all council members. Um, my name is Ann Palmer. I'm a 30-plus uh, middle-class homeowner in Huntington Beach. So I wanted to speak again on Measure C. Uh, that item is 612C, Part 7, and specifically about playgrounds. Whereas Measure C has some excellent premises, and I'm glad you're clarifying it to access funds, but the guidelines are too broad and generous. I once again urge you to restrict playground growth to 10% within a 10-year period, with a cap of 100% growth from date of resolution in perpetuity. Anything less could see a paving of our shrinking beaches and open areas to massive paved yards in 20 to 30 years. You may believe in a decade that a decade is an extended period of time, but most here know how quickly that time passes. And as demands increase for density and accessibility, 
and there's a decrease in yard space and green belts in coastal communities, we must remember our acreage will not increase. It isn't enough to create area parks. New York did that. It isn't enough to have increased play areas. Chicago did that. There will always be vendors who will be happy to expand play spaces and build the latest equipment at the expense of blades of grass and grains of sand. But we need to preserve our open space for ten, kids of ten the seconds. future. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks so much for being here. Uh, yeah, I want to thank you very much for listening and hopefully hearing from the vast majority of the constituents from Huntington Beach. Probably 300 people, I think, have showed up to speak here. Um, I'm a fiscal conservative, and I'm strongly opposed to the Charter Amendment, which is going to put into place a whole new bureaucracy, which we, the taxpayers, are going to be paying for. We've paid for this a whole new bureaucracy that I don't think the taxpayers are going to want to be paying for that. We want to pay for solutions to the crime problem, the theft out of our stores, what people running in and stealing. We want you to deal with housing. We need more housing. People who are on the police force, et cetera, can't even afford to live here. These are major issues. Um, putting out the charter because we think that we, there was, somebody thought that there was some uh, fraud. I mean, it's just a waste of our, our taxpayers' money. So that's what I'm speaking. Thank you for being here. Thank you. <laughs> Madam Clerk. Next group, Connie Boardman, Catherine Goddard, Butch Twining, Mark Tonkovich, Rick Brown, Tim Geddes, Kane, Ken Inouye, Julia Gomez, Harry McLaughlin, Donald Medeiros. Thank you for being here. Good evening. I'm Connie Boardman. The proposed charter amendment about flags would require a unanimous vote of the council to allow a commemorative flag to be flown or displayed at a city facility. No current charter section requires a unanimous vote on any issue. During the eight years I was on the city council, there was never an issue that required a unanimous vote. Never. We have majority rule here. And what issue is so important that it would require a unanimous vote? Flags. Flags? Not just any flag. This is about the gay pride flag. Don't make any mistake. Hate, intolerance, and bigotry have no place in our charter. The flag ordinance was already changed by the council earlier this year to eliminate the possibility of flying the gay pride flag. Flags and the, re and the requirement of a unanimous vote do not need to be enshrined in our charter. To the folks watching at home who are shaking their heads like I am over this, please go to the website protecthb.org. We're starting a grassroots organization to defeat the amendments harmful to our city, and we can use your help and your donations. That's protecthb.org. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks so much for being here. Uh, good evening. My name is Mark Tonkovich, resident of Huntington Beach. I just wanted to talk about the prospect of being able to vote for voter ID. I've lived in seven states. Six required a voter ID. This one doesn't. The other six states didn't have ballot harvesting. Uh, they didn't have mail-in ballots. They had absentee ballots. I'm a sales, I was a salesperson before I retired. I traveled a lot, so I would use that. Now we get, everybody gets in a mail like junk mail. I think we need to control it. France 
I don't know if anybody knows this, France last year changed it back to voter ID and paper ballots because of the corruption in the elections. So I do think it's important that we can do it. Now, here's a little funny one. When I was in Georgia, one of the IDs you can use was a concealed weapon permit. And I thought about it, I'd go, why? But wait, they went and got fingerprinted by the sheriff's department. They had a huge background check, more than you'll get with a driver's license, so it actually made sense. They knew who you were if you had that. So I'm in favor of getting it back to tightening it up to, if we don't say there's no fraud, I don't believe that, but this will tighten it up so fraud would be that harder. The woman said earlier about getting the ballot in the mail after her uh, son left, that happens a lot. We have some of the worst cleanup of voter rolls in this state out of all of them. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Um, good evening, Mayor and City Council. My name is Tim Geddes, 40-year resident. At the council meeting on Tuesday, the audience was introduced to the Big Rock Theory of Strategic Planning, whereby you take an empty jar, big rocks, small rocks, sand, and water, representing main priorities or longer-term goals, day-to-day -day responsibilities and shorter-term goals, minor tasks, and unimportant distractions preventing work from getting done. The big rocks go in the jar first, followed by the smaller rocks, the sand, and finally the water. It works for me, and it works for business guru Stephen Covey. Concomitant with that is the truism attributed to Benjamin Franklin and echoed by leaders like Winston Churchill that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. The council majority is failing to adequately plan for its, count, for its proposed charter amendments and doesn't even have the data to f go forward with its intentions. The proposed election tinkering featuring voter ID is a big rock the size of a boulder. Substituting may for, sh for shall is hardly a convincing strategy. We should stop the posturing and the failure to plan now. We, uh, we must be smarter about this. Ten seconds. It is better to have rocks in the jar than rocks in the head. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Uh, so this past weekend, I was looking at the, uh, the pictures of the air show on social media, because um, corruption aside, I do love a good air show. Um, but one thing I noticed uh, in those pictures was actually a photo that Michael Gates shared um, of the flags um, at the, um, the stand. Now, there was the American flag, the Canadian flag, and the Australian flag. Now, I don't have a problem with any of those flags. I think the pilots that showed up from those countries are fantastic. Uh, my question, though, is this was a city-subsidized event and a city-promoted event on city property. Now, I don't have a problem with those flags being flown. I don't think that we should be banning any flags. But why should we be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to present to the voters a, a, an ordinance to put in our city's constitution a flag ban when we can't even equally enforce the rule that we already have. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening, I'm Catherine Goddard, I'm voter and resident in the city. And I'm realizing that the four of you are gonna go ahead because you've had this plan right along with the, with the charter amendments. So I'm really speaking to my fellow voting citizens when I say, please be careful and watch what you're looking for. These, uh, these procedures that have been going on for the last eight, nine months 
have been closing down opportunities for citizens to participate in their community. The planning, the primary ballot idea of putting this amendment on the primary ballot almost assures a fewer, a lower voter turnout. So if these ideas, if you do need to research them carefully because they are confusing as presented, if they're codified in the charter, it might even be at a cost for this primary election. It's somewhere between $500,000 and a million. The costs are unclear. That's why you have to watch what you're doing and research between now and the next five months, now and, May, and March when this will come up. The, the council is cutting services in the city in order to manage the budget this year, and yet they're proposing to spend this kind of money on the ballot initiative. So uh, we're also told there'll be a deficit in the budget by 2025. So this doesn't make fiscal sense to me. The rush to get it on the May Ten seconds. is simply something that fellow citizens do your homework, pay attention, and do your research. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening, Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council. My name is Kenny Nolway. I'm a 50-year resident of Huntington Beach. I'm going to present some facts to you tonight so you can help evaluate your decisions. This city council passed a five-year budget that projects a $19 million deficit over the next five years. Factually, there's been no evidence presented over this period that suggests there's any voter fraud in Huntington Beach. In spite of this fact, the city council is proposing a voter ID requirement in our bylaws. The fact is, there's an estimate of, of cost to implement this uh, bylaw change of over $5 million. And I want to assure you that there's not one of you that would spend your personal money to buy something that was not necessary, much less $5 million. As members of the City Council, I look to you to be fiduciaries of the resources of our city. Now, I would respectfully request that you look at the facts and not pursue a bylaw change that has no basis in facts. Thank you so very much. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Thank you. I wasn't going to speak tonight, but I kind of felt compelled because somebody sent me an email that uh, came from Mark Cal Councilman Kalmick that said that Mr. Twining's list of requirements for IDs was disingenuous. So, I looked them up one more time, even though I got these all from the Washington Times and Google. And I want to go through them one more time. These are things that are things that are required that IDs are required for: alcohol, cigarettes, opening a bank account, applying for food stamps, apply for welfare, apply for Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security, apply for a job, apply for unemployment rent or buy a house, apply for a mortgage, apply for a credit card, even apply for a library card, buy a car, rent a car, purchase an airline ticket, get on an airline, try that you know, with TSA, get married, actually get a marriage license, purchase a gun, adopt a pet, rent a hotel room, apply for a hunting license, a fishing license, buy a cell phone, gamble in a casino, uh, pick up a prescription, apply for a permit for a rally or a protest, donate blood. I don't know about this one for sure. Purchase nail polish at CVS. Uh, purchase certain cold medicines. Ten seconds. Uh, anyway, 
Those are all things that, that require ID. Voting does not. And I wouldn't think that there was any uh, voter uh, suppression until Al Gore, Hillary Clinton, Clinton, and Stacey Adams all convinced me of that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, City Council members. Um, there seems to be a big issue here about special interest flags and uh, about the pride flag specifically and how people are saying they don't feel safe when they come here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Please give the speaker attention. Go ahead. Thank you. So let me make a quick correction, though. The uh, Code 4 that put on the magnificent air show this weekend was not subsidized by the city. They've lost money every year. They haven't had a profit. So they're flying the flags. Pull a permit. You can fly your, your pride flag if you wish. But let me say this. The American flag has stood as a symbol of freedom and justice for the United States for 245 years through wars and times of peace. The side of the American flag has given notice to the enemies and, and assurances to friends that democracy lives. No other symbol captures the power and the glory of our nation like the American flag. The American flag remains a living piece of history and source of pride and unity for all Americans, not just some, all Americans. The stars and stripes embodies the very qualities that make our nation great, liberty, justice, freedom, love of country, and national purpose. The evolution of the American flag is not only a history of American symbol, but the history of our country's land and people. Our flag is a unifying symbol that binds together Ten everyone. Seconds. Ten seconds. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. My name is Harry McLaughlin. I'm a resident of Huntington Beach. Please drop tar Charter Amendment number two. The flag amendment needs to go. Proffered by an absurd ad hoc committee made up of members with the sole intent of implementing their own personal and politically biased agendas in an effort to placate a minority of citizens. In a blatant attempt to assuage critics of this measure, they have inserted a provision stating that the city may display any other flag in addition to those already enumerated, but only if authorized by a unanimous vote of all members of the city council. Staff notes that there are no other charter sections that require unanimous votes. Why is that? To give a potential minority of only one member veto power over the other six? Over this issue? If anything, it should be majority approval. Hedging your bets that you may only retain one seat next election? Please drop this from consideration, or at the very least, delete the words unanimous vote and replace them with the words majority vote. Thank you for creating the illusion that you're actually listening. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Uh, good evening, Mayor and City Council. My name is Julia Gomez, and I'm a staff attorney with the ACLU of Southern California. Earlier today, we submitted a letter with Disability Rights California opposing section seven, adding Section 705 to the charter. While charter cities like Huntington Beach no doubt have some home rule authority over certain local issues, this authority is not unlimited. A charter provision must yield to state law where the following factors are present. First, the law conflicts with state law. Here, the voter ID law would impose requirements on top of the state's detailed voter verification framework. Second, where state law implicates a statewide concern. Here, it is well settled that election integrity and voting rights are matters of statewide concern. 
Finally, if the state's law is narrowly tailored and does not unnecessarily interfere with municipal governance. Here, the only way the state's provisions could interfere with municipal governance is if the city adopted voter restrictions like the voter ID law. Redondo Beach does not give the city authority outlined in Section 705. In that case, the court held charter cities were exempt from a bill that consolidated local elections with statewide elections because the elections code already exempts charter cities. There are no similar exemptions here. Section 705 also likely violates the state's equal protection and voting seconds. rights guarantees. I guess I'll just highlight lastly that just because the Supreme Court has been restricting voting rights, the same is not true, true with the California courts Thank you and for being the here. constitutions. Thank you. Thank you. Senator, thanks for being here. Good evening. My name is Dave Min. I have the privilege of representing about half of Huntington Beach in the state Senate. Uh, thank you. Uh, Mayor Strickland and several of the council members here came up to the Senate floor not so long ago. I thought I'd return the favor here. Uh, I'm here to express, again, my uh, steep concerns with Section 705. Uh, I wrote a letter on August 1st. Many of those concerns were raised by my previous speaker, uh, also re-raised by Attorney General Bonta and Secretary of State Shirley Weber uh, in a letter dated September 28th. Uh, look, you have a lot of control over local elections, but when they interfere with county, state, or federal elections, when they potentially impact voters in those elections, as we know, uh, that is illegal. Under state law, what you're trying to do with voter identification, uh, to the extent it might impact voters in other elections, is illegal. Uh, it is also unclear, I would say, as a matter of law, whether you have ability to regulate voter ID. I've talked to counsel about this, even if it's wholly in a municipal setting. Uh, I, I think this is a wholly unnecessary measure. I've not seen any proof presented that there's a need for this, that there's any, any voter fraud in any election in Orange County or Huntington Beach in any recent cycle. Uh, this will cost taxpayers a lot of money. And, and I am concerned. I, I normally believe in local control. I don't come down here and grandstand, but uh, I have concerns about this. I think it will end up costing you a lot of money. Senator, and you I have 10 seconds. I ask you to consider uh, voting against this measure. Thank you. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Next speaker, thanks so much for being here. Mayor, council members, please, in regards to the nepotism one, please do not vote on it. It's, uh, it's your nightmare. Because if elected officials cannot put anybody that they want into the offices that they like, it's going to be a slippery it's completely slippery slope, and then after a while, nobody else is going to be hired except other people's. I mean, they're going to be there's going to be nepotism from the staff, from the, the long-term people. Please, please, please. And it's going to be harder to get into a job in the city council, I mean, in the city, all over. It's going to be harder than the longshoremen, I mean, to get into the longshoremen. So please, please, think about this again and do not vote on that nepotism law. It's going, to be, it's going to be so much worse than you guys think. It sounds great for you. I mean, it's kind of like it twists your arm. But please, don't do that. And also, the next thing is where it says for the requirements, when it says the requirements for uh, to run for a, a board, and it says or equivalent, like you know, a business degree or equivalent, it's not for you guys to make the decision. It's for the person that's running says, yeah, you know, I can do this. It's not, it's not just one person from the office that says, no, you can't be it, no, you can't be it. No, it's not that, and that's the reason there's not a definition for it. So it is not you guys, or it's not the city that decides, or the, or the election board, if they qualify. They think, the person that wants to run, they think that they can do it. Ten seconds. Do it. So please, do not do anything, especially with the, the city charter is a serious, it's a sacred thing. Please do not mess with it. 
that much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Okay. This is the last group. Last call for Donald Medeiros, Dina Chavez, Paula Stamery, Jeannie Ferens, B. Chanel, David Cohen, Amory Hansen, Brianna Lee, Tara Poon, Valentina Bankhead. Thanks for being here. Good evening. First, I want to thank Councilman McKeon for being responsible and taking the charter process out from behind closed doors, opening it up to public input. And also for listening and being open to reconsideration of the amendments. It's clear that of all the new majority members, given the pre his previous experience on past city charter committees, Councilmember McKeon has the most experience regarding the charter re review procedures. So why is it that he was the only member of the new council majority who wasn't included in the ad hoc committee? It is curious, I dare say even suspicious, that the other members would ignore his expertise. Had these open public meetings been implemented as part of the ad hoc committee process from the beginning, much time would have been saved. The public outcry could have been avoided. I'm grateful that he responded to his supporters' concerns and demands to allow the public to be heard. As a member of the public, I am concerned by the council's entire process regarding these charter amendments. I must express my opposition to the entire process. Um, there's a potential for uh, a lot of money uh, to be spent, uh, legal battles, um, and uh, um, unfortunate kinds of situations to arise. Ten seconds. Uh, if the council is serious about promoting election integrity, they must not move ahead with these unnecessary, poorly written, and potentially illegal charter amendments. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. My name is Mr. Amory Hansen. I rise today to express my support for an additional charter amendment. I urge the City Council to consider revising the City Charter to require a special election in the event of a Council vacancy. This amendment will allow for we the people's voice to be heard regardless of circumstances that may prevent a Councilman from continuing to serve. With increasing public interest in our local government, it is important that we, the people, always be able to participate in electing our councilmen and other elected officials. I urge the council to consider adding this charter amendment to an election ballot. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Please, please come up to the podium, people, if you want to speak. Come on up. Good evening, my name is David Cowan. Lived in Huntington Beach for 35 years. Came here first when I was 16 years old from Iowa on a road trip. Came back many times when I was transferred to uh, Norton Air Force Base in San Bernardino. Family loved Huntington Beach. I always thought it was a little quirky and that's okay. I kind of like that. When we came here, it was kind of a surfer biker bar, but it was still a great place to be, great place to live but I have some issues. The voting, even the current, the former president's administration, the person in charge of voting integrity said this was the cleanest vote in years. 
there's no voter fraud. I love being able to vote by mail. I love being able to drop it off. I don't see any reason that you need to complicate the process, incur, incur more expenses just to do something that doesn't need to be done. And one more thing, if you really want to keep bundling these charter amendments together, you really ought to start with one that says, we love puppies. And then everyone will vote for them, and they won't look any further. Because people need to look at each individual charter proposal to know what's going to go on. And Ten maybe seconds. they don't like one, or maybe they don't like two. What doesn't really matter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening, 35-year resident. First of all, if we cannot afford to put each and every charter amendment as a separate item on the ballot, how are we going to afford to manage an entire overhaul by our city? Where is the cost analysis? Where is the outside legal analysis? Sorry, but trusting in-house legal opinion is ridiculous considering Mr. Gates' track record with getting sued by the state. Why should we vote for the city to take on millions and millions of dollars in unknown costs to take over our own elections? Because the registrar cannot legally authorize voter ID under their administration. Who pays for the voting equipment, the researching and buying of voting tabulation machines, collecting ballots at polling locations, and transport? Will that be in personal vehicles? Who will be the drivers? How will they be vetted? Is it going to be the Proud Boy Express? How about certification? Who will handle this? You haven't told us. Who pays for the ballot pamphlets? Who pays to have them translated into different languages, into Braille? Who pays to print out the actual ballots, languages, Braille? Who pays to set up the extra polling places? Who pays to make them ADA compliant? Who pays for the extra insurance in case someone falls while there? Who pays for the vetting and training of poll workers? Who pays for the salaries of the ten, whole ten new seconds. vote admin team that will need to be hired and trained? Are you planning on pushing this into an already overworked city staff? Thank you for being here. Thank you. Next, next speaker, thanks for being here. Thank you. Hello, council members. My name is Brianna Lee, and over the last four weeks, I've attended every meeting on these charter amendments to get a better grasp of exactly what they will entail. I've listened to you discuss the potential advantages and disadvantages of these amendments, and after conducting my own research, I've realized one common denominator. Regardless of the intentions of you passing these amendments, they will inevitably discriminate against some people. As said by many others, there is no evidence of voter fraud in Huntington Beach, and even on a nationwide level, only 0.00004% of all ballots come back fraudulent. By that metric, you have a higher chance of being struck by lightning than you do of coming across a fraudulent ballot. <laughs> At its core, these amendments will essentially make it more difficult to vote, especially for low-income individuals, the elderly, and people of color. In our country, 18% of senior citizens, 16% of Latino voters, 25% of African-American voters, and 15% of those who earn an annual income of 35,000 or less lack access to an acceptable voting photo ID. Considering the lack of evidence on voter fraud occurring, I see no other reasons for why you would want these amendments to pass other than to limit these demographics from voting, a tactic that was used in the Jim Crow and civil rights eras. The majority of people have faith in this system, and I know that many of you on the council will disregard what I'm saying, but to the people of Huntington Beach seeing Ten this, seconds. please vote no on these amendments. Thank you. Next, next speaker, thanks for being here. 
I'm Hara Poon. I'm a junior at Huntington Beach High School. And I'm here today to also discuss requiring an ID in order to vote. So my question is, where is the proof of this election fraud? Countless individuals have already come up here and highlighted the complete absence of any reported cases of fraud. And our elections are already protected as seen with the 0% of reported fraud cases and the fact that voters are required to register before voting. So now my question is, what is the motivation behind this requirement? What is the reason for the at least $1 million cost that this will incur and the inevitable fight that this will pick between this city and the state? This amendment will only pick a fight that you cannot win. So many of these changes seem to have no purpose other than to create controversy. If there were serious cases of election fraud in the city, then yes, maybe something like this be necessary, but the complete, complete absence of any evidence backing the support of this measure just makes me wonder and question, what is your goal, what's your purpose behind passing this measure? It seems like many of these measures are only in place, not to help the people, but for you to only help yourselves. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Hello. My name is Dina Chavez, and I'm here to discuss our comment on some of the um, language that was used on at Tuesday night's meeting. Um, first of all, a survey from Every Library Institute found that 74% of parents say that book bans infringe on their parental rights. 67% of parents say that book bans are a waste of time. 92% of parents say that their children are safe at the library. Our library just won the Reader's Choice Award from Parenting OC Magazine for Best Storytime in Orange County. How did this council thank them? Well, despite these statistics and winning this award, our library continues to be attacked by members of this council. On Tuesday, Mr. Burns compared our librarians to a rogue judge who murdered his wife. And this was after he compared the library itself to a strip club. Mr. McKeon says that our book bans will be cutting edge. And Ms. Vandermark either still doesn't understand what a book ban is or is trying to move the goalpost. You cannot. None of you are qualified to mess with our library. Please leave it alone. Rhonda, Dan, and Natalie, thank you very much for standing up for our library and putting up with this madness. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. My name is Perry Clithera. Thank you for having me tonight. I've been here the last few weeks and I've made my opposition to the charter amendments known. There's no evidence of voter fraud in recent American history. It's going to be absurdly expensive. It's illegal. We're going to be sued by the state. And if we make any mistakes, we're going to be sued by our own people for disenfranchising them. This is a giant boondoggle and I really look forward to seeing how it goes because of course we're voting in the primary where a competitive Republican primary for president is going to be taking place which means y'all are probably going to win. So congratulations, this will be one of your legacies, and, um, well, I hope you guys are proud of it. Um, I'm deeply opposed to it. I would like to just take a moment to address, I saw a couple people reference that they get ballots in the mail from previous residents. If you dared to send that in, your signature would not match. The registrar would strike it and not count it. Uh, and I do want to let you know... These people are real, they exist, you can give them a phone call, you can let them know what's going on. It's a process, it sometimes takes them a while, they don't want to just take people off the rolls for no good reason, but you call them, you let them know you're getting a ballot for someone who doesn't live there, they're going to deal with it, they're going to get it off the rolls after a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Next speaker, thanks so much for being here. Valentina Bankhead, Hunter Beach resident. And on that note, I did go to the Registrar of Voters and I asked them why my 2016 vote did not count. They said they would look into it. I never got a call back, so that's a bunch of crap. Anyways, I agree with the changes that will benefit all the residents of Huntington Beach. The minor wording to make the charter more feasible enhances aspects of the voting process stronger with availability, 20 more accessible ADA-approved voting places. Stop trying to disregard handicapped and elderly that want to vote in person. Don't be lazy, people. Update your IDs with your true address. It's not hard. Respectively, we need to enforce the charter wording, adding uh, in the elected officials that we, the people, have elected and placed them there. Don't wet... Uh, stop the weaponization of our elected officials' seat. Stop the madness. Let's change the charter. It only gets on the ballot whatever charter uh, agreements that we do today. I love our city flags that are all, for all people, not a specific group. We are a very patriotic and proud city where everyone is welcome. Our American flag, our city flag, our county flag, our military flags, and the Olympic specialty flag, if we get it here, that would be rad. These are charter amendments changes that are truly needed. It um, hasn't been updated since 2013. Thank you. I support Gracie Vandermark, Pat Burns, and Tony Strickland. God bless you guys for having conviction. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, just a recall for Paula Stemeyer. Stemeyer. Paula, do you want to come down? All right, that concludes public comments. All right, that concludes public comments, members. Um, that's how we're going to move forward. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through uh, some of the um, uh, measures that, I mean, all of these uh, did, a, um, did a, a hand raising, but I believe we all have to uh, put our final votes in on each one of these measures. And then after we go through each one of the measures, then we will have a discussion on bundling of those measures. Um, so with that, um, what I'm going to do, members, is I'm going to go through some of the measures that have been uh, there from the very beginning, and then we'll go, uh, after those, we're going to go back to the, the ones um, that were introduced in um, the second meeting that we had uh, here. So first one, we're going to go through, yes? Just a point of order, because it wasn't really clear as to, this is new to me, how we're going to do this tonight, and mm -hmm. I, I don't disagree with it. I just want to understand, the we're going to take each item and take a formal vote on whether yeah. it should be on the ballot? Yes, whether you want to move it forward to, right. if you want to continue to move it forward. Now, all these measures have been passed by over four, but that was a hand vote. Correct. So now we have to take a, a recorded vote. And then to come back, so then we'd be how they're bundled. Right. And then to then, would be the final vote to take the whole, ever, all those decisions together Correct. tonight. So a third vote tonight to say right. we're going to move that forward to the, right. to bring it back on the 17th. Correct. And on the 17th, we have to call for that special All the resolutions election. and Correct. everything, similar to what was on the, on the agenda for the 5th. Of Correct. September. Okay. I just Correct. want to be clear. Thank you. Okay. So what I'm going to do, members, um, the first measure we're going to bring up is uh, Charter Section 303, cancellation of meetings. Um, and uh, I'm open for discussion if you have discussion, but we've discussed this, I believe, last time it had a 7-0 vote. Um, I'm willing to move this item unless someone has a discussion on it. Second. I've, I just, the, the point that it's also appears in very similar language at the, in the right. last item as well. Correct. So I, I would, can we table the discussion until we get to that section? Because it would be a duplicate conversation. 
because measure the last item includes very similar language to the, okay. the language your, for that one. Your measure L? Yeah. Okay. So we can move. We yeah, can we move just that wait one. until we get to that because sure. it's included in that sure. one. Sure. Okay. I think that's the same thing with council vacancies as well. Okay. They're, they're both included in that conversation. Okay. We'll put those all into the measure L. Next one, uh, it, it says here biannual budget, but it's a two year budget. Um, it's been supported by the CFO, and I believe we had 7-0 vote. Uh, is there any discussion? If not, I move. It's been seconded by Mr. Burns. Uh, Madam Clerk, call the roll for the official vote on this one to move forward. And it's a two-year budget. Are all, these are all to place on the primary ballot, correct? Correct, correct. Okay, Council Member Kalmick? Aye. Mosier? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Yes. Bolton? No. Burns? Aye. The measure passes. Okay. Uh, the vote passes 6-1 with Councilmember Bolton, no. Got it. Uh, the next one will be uh, the elections, uh, voter ID 702-705. Uh, um, we've, we've debated this. I, I'm going to move this item. It's been seconded by Mr. Burns. Discussion? Yes, I have a discussion. Go ahead. So in light of um, the letter we also received from the ACLU, and uh, again, I had more discussions with uh, Sacramento staff who staffed this item, or who staffed some of the dis language um, with regard to if this is even legal to go on the ballot. Um, I think the larger conversation is because all of these go into effect in 2026, so the voter ID item would go into effect in 2026, the biennial budget would go into effect in 2026, uh, and everything else except for Measure C, um, yeah, the, just the flag ordinances are, or the flag item is already an ordinance, and it wouldn't change unless a majority of the council changed it. Um, and Measure others, I, I don't see any timely reason to move these forward in March. Um, so I, even, the argument for even moving this forward in, for the March ballot, um, moving it to November, uh, takes off at least one potential exposure for a lawsuit that would eliminate saying someone suing us saying this doesn't actually even can't even show up on the March ballot. Um, and in addition, we're going to have a discussion about Measure C shortly. But I I don't see these um, any timely need. Uh, you know, some of the other items that were to change the charter for a November the coming November election, but voter turnout's higher in November and give a much larger view of all of these uh, to the voters. So um, the fact that this, all of this goes into effect in 26 to save us $400,000 to call a special election when we could consolidate it in November for $25,000 an item when we're already calling an election for um, the three seats that uh, Councilmember Bolton, myself, and Councilmember Mosier hold, the city treasurer and the city clerk, um, we're already eating that $400,000 election consolidation cost. So why not move all of these to November give our voters a much higher turnout um, for that and save this 400,000 something odd dollars uh, from our budget by, by, again, for nothing that I see is timely in this. So with regard to moving this one forward, um, yeah, I, it, I still have, I have more concerns than I had prior to uh, with regard to the legality of this. And I reviewed the case that, um, that the city attorney presented last time and then the ACLU's letter actually confirmed my reading of the notion was that this is why I don't like these things being brought up during a council meeting and saying trust us as opposed to having a legal opinion presented to council. The Redondo Beach case didn't address the issue and didn't actually even do the test to see if it, it, um, it broke through the, uh, the VISTA test, the CalFed VISTA test. And so 
Um, I, I, again, it just said that the, the state law didn't specifically call out charter states for it, so I don't see how it's relevant. And again, the ACLU's letter, after I come to the same conclusion, confirm, seemed to confirm that interpretation. So I don't think we have case law anymore to support um, the voter ID piece to begin with. Um, so yeah, again, that's I, just, I have concerns that again, if, if there's a thoughtful reason that we believe that there are issues and this doesn't go into effect into 2026, I see no reason to put this to spend the $400,000 to put this on the on the March ballot. Okay. So is that a motion? Because I already made the motion to move it to March. Is that a motion? So you uh, you would motion a second. So my motion uh, is to table these amendments until next year and direct staff to come back with recommendations for the best way to gain input on Measure C uh, later on in the uh, at some other point. So have staff come back at our next meeting saying, hey, we want to have three meetings with, to get public input. I've had 23 hours to look at the new language for Measure C, which was our you know, quintessential voter initiative. I haven't had a chance to talk to the author. Um, I ran out of time trying to read the rest of the agenda and prepare for tonight. Um, so to rush something like that to say, hey, we're going to have, we'll be back here in a week and a half to discuss something that's quite complicated. I'd, I'd like to get more uh, input from the community on the actual changes to that and actually think about it a little bit more because, again, we've tried this for 10 years now, trying to figure out what the edge cases are. So my motion is to table these amendments until next year. Do I hear um, Until early, at some point, and direct staff to come back at our next meeting with recommendations on the best way to gain community input for changes to Measure C uh, with the idea that then those inputs would come back um, uh, we'd get those input, and then it would come back to the later conversation about putting the rest of these on the uh, okay. November ballot. Do I hear a second? I'll second. Okay, it's been moved. It's seconded. Clerk, call the roll on the substitute motion. Councilmember Kalmick. Aye. Councilmember Mosher. Aye. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark. Mayor Strickland. No. Councilmember McKeon. No. Councilmember Bolton. Aye. Councilmember Burns. No. Measure fails. Now, Clerk, four. call the roll on the. On the immediate motion. On voter ID. Yes. Correct. I, I had comments on voter ID, if I may. Oh, before yeah. Go we ahead. Vote. Okay. Thank you, Mayor. Go ahead. Um, so I want to address some comments that some folks had uh, during um, the public comment period last week, uh, questioning um, uh, whether there were issues, whether there were actually issues with voting patterns and people not having ID. So um, there are some facts. I, I've done research as well, um, and th there are some facts that I want to share. So from a 2023 study by, I'm sorry, 2023, okay, study by the University of Maryland, nearly 29 million voting age U.S. citizens lacked a valid driver's license and over 7 million had no other form of non-expired government-issued photo identification. These folks are disproportionately very young people, so ages 18 to 29, low income, black or Latino, and people whose highest level of education is a high school diploma. This study concluded, and I'm paraphrasing, with the growth in the overall population of young people and people of color, and these groups' relatively high probability of lacking ID, the potential of voter ID laws to directly and indirectly keep eligible citizens from casting a ballot is likely to rise. There's another academic study that was done on uh, Texas's voter ID law, which uh, was done in 2016, that concluded that strict identification laws will stop disproportionately minority, otherwise willing um, uh, voters from voting. And so this is my rationale for not supporting uh, voter ID requirements. So I also want to talk, um, talk about history. For recent history is any indication 
Um, taking control of the city's elections um, is one thing, but it's just the Campbell's nose under the tent. Um, you used that the other day, and that always makes me laugh, Mr. McKeon. Um, so once we do, it's, it's not a simple, oh, it's just a simple voter ID thing. Once the hyper-partisan forces take hold, then there are lots of other things that come into play. And all we have to do is look at what's happened in other states that have followed this path. Um, so let's just take um, playing around with the types of ID that are accepted. So someone mentioned that in Georgia, you can use your concealed weapons permit uh, to vote. The same is true in Texas, but Texas will not take a student ID from a state university. Guess who gets disenfranchised? Young people. So young people, they are coming for your right to vote. How about playing games with the polling places? So why, why do we want to take control of the polling places? So we can change those rules, like closing them earlier, so people who do shift work or hourly workers can't get to the polls before they close. So if you're an hourly worker or a shift worker, they're coming for your vote. And then what about adopting rules to limit voter uh, assistance, like language help for people who speak Spanish or maybe Vietnamese? Uh, that's what happened in Texas. Um, assistance for persons with disabilities. Um, how about just getting rid of that? So if that's you, they're coming for your vote. And let's not forget, as the Republican Party said and someone pointed out, there's no shame in their game. They are planning on going after vote by mail and completely getting rid of it. So it's just, it's, it's just a slippery slope. Um, in terms of uh, vote by mail, um, uh, let's see, Texas did this, I believe. Um, how about requiring people to put a copy of their ID with their mail-in ballot and then mail it in. So uh, when Texas did that, uh, it resulted in black and Latino voters being 30% more likely to have their ballots rejected. Score. Um, so none of this stuff is news. Um, like I said, all you have to do is Google voter suppression and you can find uh, data about the effects that voter ID has on voting patterns. Um, you know, in the old days, Voter suppression used to be more explicit. People would be asked to do stuff like uh, pay a tax, or um, there was actually um, some place where people were asked to provide the correct number of bubbles in a bar of soap. Uh, if you could answer that question, then you could vote. Um, and so we've just gone from overt things like that to more subtle things. Uh, like changing the number of polling places or doing things to make the lines longer or like in Georgia, not allowing people to give folks a bottle of water if they're standing in a long line. <sighs> and then of course we have the issue of cost and capacity. No way. We still don't know how much this is gonna cost. We still don't know how we're gonna do it. So I don't know why we're still talking about it. Thank you. Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, Mayor Pro Tem. So the last time we were here, um, there were conversations about low-income communities, minorities, disenfranchised people not being able to vote. If there's anybody on this dais who can speak for people like that, that would be me. I grew up in a low-income community. <laughs> I'm Hispanic, and I had an idea as a teenager. We were poor. 
we, would not, we were not ignorant and we were not incapable of getting an ID. I don't understand if you guys realize how racist it even sounds for you guys to say that people of color are incapable of getting an ID. That's offensive. Um, especially, I mean, I do not like identity politics, but I will point this out. Every single person, every single person who said people of color cannot get IDs was not a person of color. But yet, they're speaking for me. I can speak for myself. So um, I do have a video. Um, actually, I did go back to my community. I grew up in a small city called Maywood, 1.2 square miles. And nobody cared if you asked them for voter ID. I talked to them. Actually, they thought it was offensive that people think we're not even capable of getting our own ID. In the state of California, you can get an ID at any age. So we're not disenfranchising students. Any age. You can get an ID as a toddler if you want. So there are programs where you, have, you get money for a birth certificate. You need a birth certificate for an ID? There's a program for that. You want an ID? There's a program for that. You want the services and assistance in helping you get an ID? There is a program for that. Um, so there is a video that I would like played. Um, who, who would have that ready? Catherine, please. While they're bringing up the video, um, Councilman McKeon, if they bring up the video, he'll stop. Go ahead, Councilman McKeon. Yeah, I just want to reemphasize an important point and change we made last meeting to address some concerns about um, potential of costs and, and what we can do or cannot do. And it's, it's changing from the word shell to may in all those languages. So the city may verify the eligibility. The city may provide at least 20 ADA uh, compliant voting locations, the city may, and the, the legal the legalese definition of may is a choice to act or not, a choice to act or not, or a promise of a possibility, as distinguished from shall, which makes it imperative. So again, we can test pilot this, should the voters pass it on the ballot, and if it becomes too cumbersome or expensive, then we may not do it, and if it's not, we may do it. So I think it's a really important point to, to emphasize. Councilman Kalmet. Thank you. So I don't know if you had a chance to review the ACLU's letter, and I've, I have not heard from our city attorney. I didn't get a memo uh, with response to it, but uh, they state that changes made to, by city staff to 705 to provide that the city may, instead of shall, require voter ID does not save the proposed charter amendment because of a grant of authority alone is sufficient to raise a conflict with state law and render the charter provision invalid. And they actually quote the Huntington Beach v. Becerra case. Uh, the SB 54 case, I believe, is, is that case. 
um, which was the Attorney General quoted quite a bit in his letter as well um, when we uh, lost the SB 54 case a couple of, several years ago. Um, in addition to that, I do have a technical question because this is the, the first time we've discussed the new changes. Um, at least 20 ADA compliant voting locations, uh, Mr. D'Alessandro. Um, with regard to the 20 ADA compliant voting, um, ADA is, that acronym is not defined anywhere in our charter. Are we assuming it's the Americans with Disability Acts? If it changes to something else, are we gonna have a problem? If California institutes a law that's more, more restrictive than that, or is it just assumed that all the polling places under state law have to be ADA compliant? So putting that in there likely ties us into something that may have to get fixed later. I think the intent was the Americans with Disabilities Act. So if if that's replaced, if, if this comes back, we'll, we'll be happy to spell that out. Okay, but I mean, but what if California has a Disabilities Act that's more stringent than the ADA? Now we have oh. ADA compliant places instead of California yeah. compliant. That's something we should probably look at okay. in terms of. Uh, I don't know if California can adopt things that are in conflict with the federal law, but I think they can be we'll, more more helpful to folks than, than ADA? Yeah, it, they can be more protective. I, I, think it's, I think it's worth taking a look at. Sure. I uh, mean, but, but if we... So we'll certainly sure. spell out the part about American with Disabilities Act right. uh, instead of the acronym. I think that's a good point. Sure. Um, but then I, if we even struck that language, right, 20 point by, I'm assuming by election law of the state of California that they're required to be ADA compliant, correct? So it would be mildly, probably redundant? I would imagine they're required. I, I really don't know the answer to that. Okay. So. All right. So again, like it's just putting something like this in the charter that well, we've changed this now f several times since it was supposed to be placed on the ballot and ready to go on the ballot September fifth. Like I, again, this is this is where still things we're finding out as we get through this that. Well, that was, I don't that was solve the problem. part of the process, and that was a point that you guys brought up, which is why we added it. I don't disagree that this process has been helpful, but I still don't think we've. Like, but the ADA was what you guys brought up, so correct. So we rec you recommended that we put it in, right? I was brought up as a point to show the folly of the okay. of instilling these in there, right. not necessarily to put that specifically. But I believe in there. The, and then the, the city attorney. I believe stated. the city attorney said that you know we had to go and he. I believe if I heard him correctly, he'll he'll spell out the ADA uh, as American Disabilities Act, but again, state law. If if we have state law that says that. We're going to have to follow that anyway. Correct, but so, there's a conflict in the charter. No, right? I understand. And so, so we took not, the, we took your, clean. It was well taken. We took the amendment that you suggested. So, go ahead, Councilwoman. So, if it's state law, we'll have to follow it anyway. You just said that on ADA requirements. But just for correct. that, correct. Okay. Correct. Not for everything okay. else. So let me ask from one last time to our city attorney. Is there anything we're doing right now in your professional experience that says we're out of compliance of, of law? We think the state constitution gives the city authority exactly. over local elections. Yes. So. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, I, I have a couple other questions, too. Um, one is I know that there's been a lot of talk about anecdotal evidence, well, anecdotal discussions about voter fraud. And to me, all of this comes back to that. Um, whoever received those concerns about voter fraud, did you reach out to the Registrar of Voters about your concerns? Anybody on council? Okay. 
Okay. I mean, if you want me to answer your question, I, I've said before this. This has nothing to do with voter fraud. This is in, increasing faith in your elections and, and, and encouraging <laughs> increased voter turnout. That's all this is. This has nothing to do with voter fraud. This is increasing faith in our elections and increasing voter turnout. And I would add, I would add that we're not. I, I'm not inclined to go back and forth. We've debated this now uh, three different, three different hearings and long hearings. And um, this is an yeah. important right for right. all of our citizens. And um, I think it's disingenuous. Sure, absolutely, I will, because I think it's the most important thing that we're here to discuss tonight. I think it's disingenuous to say that it's going to increase voter turnout. It's going to do the opposite. It's a disenfranchisement. It's disenfranchising our residents. Again, talking about the 20 uh, ADA compliant voting locations, the reason that we talked about that was, as Councilmember McCalmick said, to express the folly of even trying to do this. We had 30 ADA compliant voter in-person voting locations throughout the month prior to the actual um, final election day. Um, I don't see how this is going to help us be able to do this. It's only going to place the city in potential legal jeopardy on a number of, of ways, in a number of ways. So then we get back to, uh, we had our council meeting on Tuesday, and we haven't discussed this before because we just had the strategic plan discussed on Tuesday. As was mentioned during public comments, we talked about um, eight items and areas that we're looking to, um, that we actually created a resolution for, um, that we're going to focus on over the next few years. Um, this particular item was not included, and I'll just say specifically the voter ID and ultimately running our own elections was not included in that strategic plan. Specifically, our consultants talked about the big rocks and the small rocks, and essentially, one, that 85% of our staff members' time is taken up with the day-to-day -day running of the city, number one. All of the other pieces are all these things that we're throwing at them. This is a huge rock. This isn't just asking for voter ID. This is actually looking to run our elections. When it's already been mentioned that we don't have the money in the short term or the longer term to be providing a lot of various city services. So here we are moving forward spending millions and millions of dollars, money to get it on the ballot, money to put it on the ballot in March, which is ridiculous because the number of people, if your goal is to improve the amount of people that get to vote on something, that is decreasing the number of people that get to vote on something. If you want this, it should be in the general, even though I don't think it should be there at all. Millions in legal costs to run an election, millions in costs after the fact when we get sued and will likely lose. So we are expanding litigation over and over and over again and the potential for litigation when, again, it rewinds back to there's no voter fraud. There's no evidence of it. This is all a fool's errand. It's a waste of time. And it's actually going to put the city in a very bad position. And it, it, it saddens me. And I'm going to say it over and over again. It's going to cost us money to do to solve nothing. There is no point. We're not improving, in the last thing, we're not improving people's vision of the safe election, right? We're, we're not doing that. It's the exact opposite. We are sowing chaos in our elections. I trust the elections right now. I will not trust them under these circumstances. And once we start doing that, it's a slippery slope to everything else that we do, and it is wrong. All right, Madam. Madam Clerk, everybody.
everybody's had the opportunity to speak on this item. It's been moved. It's been it's moved by myself, seconded by Pat, Pat Burns. Is the video? Oh, it's working. Okay. Oh, the video's going to work. Okay. Berkeley, California, to find out if voter ID laws suppress the black vote. Do you have an opinion on voter ID laws? Uh, yeah, they're usually pretty racist and <laughs> they're bad. I think voter ID laws are a way to perpetuate racism. Would you say they're, would you go as far as say they're, they're, those laws are racist? For sure. Do you think it suppresses the uh, African American vote? Definitely. Uh, because they're less likely to have state IDs. Minority voters are less likely to have the kinds of IDs that have been um, described or required. These type of people don't live in areas with easy access to DMVs or other places where they can get identification. You can always get IDs um, you do over the internet. Does that also would make it difficult for, for black people in particular? Yeah, you have to have access to the internet. You have to be able to pay an internet service provider for certain fees. Do you think that's harder for black people to go online? Well, I feel like they don't have the knowledge of how, of like how it works. Like, a lot of people have smartphones, but you might not have data. For most of the communities, they don't really know what is out there just because they're not aware or like they're not informed. I also think there's a repression of like black voting with um, how they, how if you're a convicted felon, like you're not allowed to vote and everything. And when you look at swing states like Florida, that's a huge population of the, of the like African Americans. Now I'm here in East Harlem to ask black people their thoughts on what you just heard. Do you have ID normally? You carry ID around? Yes, I have state ID. Do you carry ID? Yes, I do. Do you know anybody, who, any black person doesn't carry ID? No. Everyone that I know has an ID. Why would they think we don't have ID? <laughs> That's a lie. Why would you say that? Do you have ID? Yes. Because I have my ID and my friends have their ID, so like, we know what we need to carry around. Yeah, everybody that I know have ID. Like, that's one of the things you need to walk around with New York with, an ID. Do you know any black adult who does not have ID? No, I don't. Is it a weird thing to even say that? Yes, it is. What is this, some, some type of uh, trick candy camera? I like know, that? right? <laughs> That's the only thing I brought with me. Those are legit, yeah. legit IDs. I heard a lot also that uh, black people can't figure out how to get to the DMV. Really? Is that, is that, what does that say to you? I know it's that, 125th Street. Do you know where the ID, the, the DMV is around you? It's on 125th Street and 3rd Avenue, I believe. You know how to get there? Yeah. Would you have a problem getting there if you had to get there? No. It's, I know these sound like silly questions. You know how to get the AV? Of course. You know where it is? Yes. You can get there? Uh-huh. No problem? No problem. Just checking. Okay. And I also heard a lot that black People, especially poor black people, have no access to the internet, can't figure out how to use the internet. That's, that's, a, that's just stupidity, honestly. Everybody has access to the internet. Even a little kid can figure out how to work the internet. I had access to the internet for years. You know how to use it properly, right? Exactly. I do it at work. So, of course, I know how to use it. Smart. My kids know how to use it. They all have iPads, iPods, whatever. Your phone has data? Mm-hmm. You can actually Unlimited. With, unlimited data. Mm-hmm. I use my phone as a hotspot. What does that say to you for the people who have this perception of you? Um, uh, they're pretty much ignorant. Uh, that's what my thought process on. I just think that's ignorant. 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 That's the word. Very, very ignorant. ignorant. Very, very ignorant. Does it sound racist for somebody to say that? I, I think it is a little racist because, you know, you're putting um, people in a category and you have no idea what you're talking about. Maybe a little bit of racist in it, but like I said, I think it's more stupidity and ignorance. You're judging somebody, like, well, you're judging them because they're black, saying that they don't got it. 
people are they talking to? <laughs> what are, who are these people talking to? Do you have a problem that if you go to vote and they say, can we please see your ID to make sure you are who you say you are? I cool? love showing my ID. You have no problem with that? Nope. Would you have a problem if when you go to vote, if they say, can we please just see your ID to make sure you are who you say you are? Do you have an issue with that? No. Would you have a problem if there was a rule where you have to show your ID in order to vote? I don't think so. No. Would you have an issue if there was a rule saying you got to show your ID before you vote? No. Are you cool with that? Yeah. So, Madam, Madam Clerk, Madam Clerk. I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Mayor. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, so, I was speaking about low-income folks when I was speaking about access to getting identification. That's called, and that's the fallacy of anecdotes right there, right? That was a bunch of 19-year-olds on the campus of Cal and some random folks in Harlem that they asked where I, you know, I don't know if there's edited video of the people that didn't meet the narrative that he was trying to get there. The Brennan Center, the ACLU, people have done what's not called anecdotal research, but is actually research where you, they went and they looked at the data and they found census data and said, we looked and said it is harder for low-income people to get IDs, right? We're not saying that it's people of color that, that, that are majority. That it's anybody that doesn't have the means to get to the DMV to get a driver's license or just has a Social Security card. People were saying, like, oh, you need to have uh, all of these things to get a job. You don't. You need a Social Security card and a utility bill to, uh, to work in an I, to use the I-9 as valid forms on an I-9 to get employed in California, in the United States. You don't need photo ID. To get your driver's license, you roll in with your birth certificate. How do you prove who you are when you're 16? You have no photo ID. When you register to vote, you prove who you are. You put your driver's license number or, and you put your, your social security or your social security number and then you sign the form. It is so, so difficult to go to polling place after polling place after polling place. I do security consulting as part of my day job, and part of that is knowing how to break things and how to break into things and how to compromise systems. I have read the reviews, and I have read the data sets on in-person uh, voting. I have worked through tabletop exercises. How would you commit massive voter fraud on a scale that would tip an election? How would you do that? All of our ballots have barcodes on them that get mailed to us. They are all checked against DMV records. When I registered to vote, when I registered to vote, I had to put my, my ID, I had to put my ID number, my driver's license number, and I had to put my social security card on my voter registration. That's when we check ID in California. There is no evidence of fraud. The fact that we're talking about creating barriers to vote is, is the issue here. And folks without means to get that. Earlier in one of the earlier meetings, you said, oh, anybody can get a passport. It's $100. That's $100. Like, to someone making $28,000 a year, that's a non-trivial amount of money. That's a day's work to get a passport. What I believe this country is based on is to try to get as many people as we possibly can to vote because the enfranchisement of people is the most important thing to make this democracy work. And women's suffrage was something that was uh, fought for quite a bit. And I don't think you want to end the suffrage of women, or do you support the suffrage of women? Are you done? I'm asking a question. Do you support the suffrage of women? 
What the heck does that have to do with voter ID? Let's stay on topic. Let's stay on topic. So, or so would the, you like to continue so to speak for me? So the question. Hold on. Hold on. You don't think that's insulting to ask a woman if yeah. she wants to get rid of her right Thank to vote? You. That's what I'm asking. I mean, that's pretty insulting. Mayor, we have we have talked about we're this. Way, we're way off topic. We're way off topic. Yeah, move to move I, the previous yeah, question, I, I, I think sir. I, I, it's been moved. The previous the question's been moved. Uh, clerk, call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick. No. Mosier. No. Vandermark. Yes. Strickland. Yes. McKeon. Yes. Bolton. No. Burns. Yes. Item passes for the. Measure passes. Okay, uh, moving on. Um, now we're going to the flag ordinance. Um, I move it. Second. It's been moved and seconded. Discussion. Seeing none. Yep. Nope. Oh, go ahead. Nope. Got uh, discussion. Councilwoman. Since we're not going in the order of the staff memo, just give me a moment, please. I think one of the public commenters summarized this very well. The flag situation is currently an ordinance. Um, if you don't like the previous handiwork, just fix the ordinance. There's no need to enshrine this in concrete. Um, we've already had a major uh, event in the city where someone was flying flags that didn't comply with the ordinance. Um, this will just make a mess of the charter. Um, and this is what happens when you try to legislate exclusion. You constantly find yourself having to go back and put stuff in. And I wanna say too, in terms of the process here, I'm noticing how we're trying to speed through this process tonight. The last meeting on the charter uh, amendment um, situation. And uh, I, I, I'm, you saw me not vote for the biennial budget and it's unfortunate that that got caught up in all of this because the CFO supports the budget and I would like to support the CFO. But it's these, everything that is a product of a flawed or illegitimate process, I can't support. Especially when the city knows how to do a proper charter amendment process. For me, that's probably worst of all is that we know how to do this and we sit up here and talk about public engagement and oh, we need to make sure that the public is engaged and we reach out to people and make sure they understand what's going on at this, with the city and stuff like that. And then we turn around and do something like this. The last time we went through this process, it took eight months, a year, we had citizens involved in drafting the amendments. It wasn't staff rushing around trying to turn stuff out. And then we get this with 24 hours to review it. What about the people who are new to this process? Every, every week that we've had one of these meetings, we've had new people come in trying to figure out what's going on. They've had only 24 hours to figure out what the heck is going on. That's unconscionable. So just, I, I'm not supporting the flag amendment. You know how I feel about this whole flag business. And the process I regard as illegitimate. Thank you. Okay. Uh, okay. Councilman McKeon. Yeah, just, just real, real quick on the, on the process. Like I said before, I appreciate everyone's patience. To me, this has been very transparent. It's maximized public engagement. Maximized public engagement. I was on the Charter Review Commission. I, 
no one ever showed up to sit in the meetings. The only time people did was when the mobile home park residents came because they wanted to put something on the ballot. Um, this elevates it to the level it deserves. We've uh, allowed the public to speak before and after. And over four weeks, we've slowly tweaked here, tweaked there, moved it, voted, straw voted, et cetera, with maximum public engagement, response, all those things. So I push back on that comment about transparency um, and the process. And then with the flags, to counter what you said and what a, a resident had said, it says the, sh the city shall only fly, not someone that pulls a permit, not a private company, not what you can do in your own home. The city shall only fly. That's a big difference. So that w the city shall only fly. Thank you. Move the previous question, sir. The question's been moved. Uh, clerk, uh, call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick? Nay. Mosher? Nay. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Yes. Bolton? Oh. No. Burns? Aye. Item passes 4 3. Okay, that's been moved forward. Uh, next, um, we're going to uh, Councilwoman Bolton's item on nepotism. Sure. So you may open. So, a more accurate way to describe this idea is um, prohibiting cronyism. And I will do my best to explain this in the limited amount of time that we've taken to work on these. Uh, it's clear to me that folks still don't understand it, and I can understand why that is, because we have not given people enough time to understand any of this stuff. So cronyism, when you hear the word cronyism, what do you think about? You think about folks getting into office and hiring their sisters and brothers-in-law and kids and all that kind of stuff, and that is what it is. So a definition of cronyism is participating in any employment decision that may be viewed as a conflict of interest, such as one involving a close friend, a business partner, and or professional, uh, political, or commercial relationship that would lead to preferential treatment or the compromise, or I'm sorry, or compromise the appearance of fairness. This is in the um, municipal code for Oakland, a city like ours that has an elected city attorney. Oakland has an explicit ban on uh, cronyism. The idea is straightforward, like I said. Um, currently, none of us city council members can have a family member appointed to any salaried position in the city. Um, we talked last week about whether that was fair. Um, you know, the current charter says that none of us can have family members in a salaried appointed position, and that's where the authors of that provision came out on that question. They decided that the appearance of fairness was the most important thing. Um, so the same rule should be applied to all elected officials in Huntington Beach, not just the city council, and that's what my proposal is designed to fix. Um, the staff points out that this was probably, it probably is addressed in administrative regulation 411, but someone, some future um, unscrupulous person could easily come along and change that. So that's what it's about. Thank you. Do I hear a second? Second. It's been moved. It's been seconded. Any discussion? No, I just, I think you just covered it. What staff said, I, I, I feel this is robust enough. I understand your perspective and totally appreciate it. I just, I think we're already covered. I don't know if this one should go on the, on, on the ballot, but that's just my position. I think it's, I think it's robust enough, and it's already covered, like staff said, in another section. But. Right. It's been moved. It's been seconded. Clerk, call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick. Aye. Mosher. Aye. 
Vandermark? No. Strickland? Not voting. McKeon? No. Bolton? Abstain. Burns? No. All right, so that is a two, three, two, two, and three. No, two, three, and two. No. It fails, right? Two, Correct? three, one. Right? Three, one? No. Uh, no, you didn't, weren't voting, and, and neither is oh, Councilmember yeah. yeah, Bolton. Okay. Yeah, two, three, so two. we have two abs okay. abstentions. Two, three, two. Thank you. All right. Um, I'd like to go to, I, I guess it's uh, Calmic because uh, we have the cancellation of meetings and then council vacancies. Can we take those up individually and then go to your item? Or, or you, yeah, you want to um, present this as a whole? I think they kind of go, all, I mean, the language from the council vacancies is the same language in mm -hmm. Measure L. So okay. um, I think, yeah, I think we probably look at Measure take, L first. Take yours as a whole? And okay. then see, if, and then the, either moots them or it fails, and then we take those two separately. Okay. Um, did you take, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't, did you take out the mayor pro tem um, part? I'd asked, I had talked to staff, so it's. Um, so thank you. Um, we did take out the language regarding Mayor Pro Tem and also to note that the language proposed in 312 um, needs to be updated as well to represent um, four affirmative votes in the vacancies section. So just to make that note. Okay. And then there are a couple other items just to have cleanup. Um, if there's any outlying language that doesn't match, that would be added in potentially to the Measure L language, just if there are any things that we have missed. So I'll move as amended to add in 312 that uh, for four votes and that we don't, uh, we continue to keep the Mayor Pro Tem title. With that, I would move the rest of the items. One second. Okay. Clerk, call the roll. Okay, the motion as amended. Council Member Kalmick. Aye. Mosher? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Yes. McKeon? Yes. Bolton? Abstain. Burns? Yes. 601 with Council Member Bolton abstaining. Okay. Per I believe we've gone. Oh, uh, Measure C, uh, Councilman McKeon. Yeah. I just want to thank uh, staff and Ashley and everyone for. Working on this, it's been said many times, it's um, you know, complicated, um, it's tough to fix, so I really appreciate you guys uh, working hard to, to get us to this point. I think there's a lot of good things here. Um, you know, I would support you know, continuing to work on this over the coming months. I, at council meetings, I think would be, be good. We could you know, make adjustments. That doesn't have to be every meeting, but we can tweak it, fix it to where we, uh, feels appropriate, we could have input from uh, the former residents and council members that worked on this initially to get it right and not necessarily put a time limit on it, but when it's when we think it's it's perfect, it's perfect, then we'll address it then. And that's to me where, where I stand. I thought it might be good um, for Ashley to kind of walk through on the agenda um, her current language and then proposed language so people can kind of understand um, how this reads and, and what this means so they can do further research um, should it you know, be tabled and move forward to a later date. So if you guys, could, yeah, it's on the screen. So Ashley, can you kind of walk through that? Sure, so um, on the screen, there's a table. On the left side is the current language, and on the right side is the proposed language. If the box is blank, that means that there's no proposed changes. 
Um, and under the current language uh, column, if there is a blank box in, uh, on the current language and writing in the proposed language uh, just next to it, then that means that there is not currently any language in Charter C reflecting this. Um, so the first item under proposed language would be the addition of language to state that an exception to the above would include parks owned either by a public utility or school district or leases between the city and a private entity as part of a private public partnership agreement wherein the city receives a portion of the revenue generated approved by a majority of the city council. So um, to give some context to this, currently the city um, has agreements with SoCal Edison, um, school districts for additional use of their space, which extends parkland for our use and the community's use. Um, and so this would essentially place an exception to um, under the charter where above it does say that we cannot um, sell, lease, exchange, or otherwise transfer or dispose of any parkland. And so this basically provides authority back to the owner of the park without this exception. Um, technically, the owner of the space would have to go through a Measure C in order to construct anything on their property. So this is providing that exemption instead of them having to break the lease with the city. They would be able to construct whatever it is that they would need or want to on their property um, without having to break any sort of lease with us. Okay. So just so that people understand, so this would be Section A and then section subsection 1. So it would be A1. Correct. So that would be a whole new Section 1. Correct. And if you guys go down to the next section... It's B, the current language, and then to the right would be the proposed language, so that would be what would, what would be changed. And so I just think it's important for people to kind of look at this if we decide to move this forward and continue working on it throughout the year. I think, it's, I think this is a good structure. I just wanted you to kind of walk through um, how it's set up. And then are there any others you want to maybe bring up tonight of note that you'd like to point out? Um, I think of note that the most important areas there, I know that there was a lot of conversation two meetings ago about the definition of structures. Yeah. Um, and so what we tried to do in this language was provide reference to um, explicit definition sources so that it removed as much interpretation, need for interpretation as possible. So it's very concrete definitions moving forward. Um, and we also feel like this is something where um, if we wanted to take a multi-pronged approach, there would be an opportunity should this be approved by uh, the voters or moved forward for consideration that through an ordinance we could strengthen um, the parameters of Measure C even further through designation of um, what are various park spaces. We have four categories of parks per our, our park master plan. And so council could feasibly tighten up these measures. The charter would just give us the upper limits of what staff, could, staff and council could consider for development in public open spaces. Me personally, I'd like to avoid the ordinance route. I'd like to, at some point, if we can tighten up Measure C, just have that be the document because ordinances obviously can change, et cetera. So that's just me personally, but... I'll leave it up to you guys to, for the floor, but I think there's a lot here, and um, like Councilman Mosier had mentioned last time, we can, I believe, just keep working on this uh, throughout the year at you know, future council meetings and have input from the community and, and former authors come up and really try to get this right and not really set a time clock on it necessarily, but just with the goal of, of, of what we feel and the community feels is, is the right way to fix it with staff and at that point address it. Thank you, Councilmember McCann. Is that okay if I go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, I, uh, I really appreciate all the work that's been done, um, and I, too, don't want it to be on the ballot right now. Um, again, we've only had less than 24 hours to really review everything. 
Um, and I think that there's a lot more um, opportunity for um, input. And I think that Councilmember McKeon really um, mentioned that already. Um, this meeting is certainly not sufficient to determine the effective ballot language, make sure that it's you know really tightened up. I think further consultation with staff, general public, the original framers of Measure C, I think that is very important. Um, I think that um, my preference would be that that not happen in council meetings. I think it should have its own um, attention. I think it's very important to to the city and to our future as far as um, our city's uh, open spaces and infrastructure as well. So I would propose instead that we have a Measure C charter review effort um, that has a professional facilitator and that looks at all of these things and organizes it. Um, I don't really have a preference as far as the amount of time that takes. I'd prefer somebody else to determine that so it's not done by me or us. Um, but that would be my recommendation. I think we have a lot of business yeah, to do here. For sure, but I, I guess maybe I'll counter a little bit. I, I like the study session approach where it elevates it to the council level where we, we can get updates and then provide input, et cetera. So it's not just on a, again, I keep saying I was on the Charter Review Commission. We're just in, you know, B8 over there and no one came in and Kate. focused on can, it. So. Can I say one what thing about, about that uh, real quick? On. Go ahead. I think that I totally appreciate yeah. that people weren't coming in. I appreciate wanting to get more public input. But I think that now that this has all gone on for the last few weeks, I'm going to bet you that there's going to be a lot more public input and people showing up. So at the very least, the benefit of all of this occurring is I think more people are awake and opening their eyes. And hopefully that means that they'll be more engaged. Um, and I'm sure that we can find a way with staff and, and management to find the best way and time to get the sure. most yeah. input. I'll follow, yeah, I'll follow. Okay. Yeah. Case, yeah. Is, is this something, Ashley, maybe you can give a nod or whatever, but uh, something for the Community Service, Community and Library Services Commission to maybe proceed with, bring it back, uh, maybe as a study session item, and we can progress, tune it up, and send it back to them if need be, but have them, I mean, they're the commission that deals with pretty much uh, those issues. So is it, would that be appropriate, you think, for them to maybe review this? Um, I, think, I think it could be a multi-pronged approach, but I definitely think in whatever fashion we can garner more community input, I know that the authors of this original language are still in our community. And so if we can gather them and, and anyone else who has a vested interest in understanding and digesting this language and, and definitely making it a, a viable change for the future, I'm happy to entertain any public opportunity to discuss this. Perfect. Okay. Great. Go ahead, Councilman. Uh, thank you, staff, uh, for working so hard on this. It was difficult to kind of digest. Um, and uh, Councilmember McKeon, I do appreciate that you would like to take some more time on this. Um, and I think that uh, Ashley uh, kind of hit the nail on the head as like a multi-pronged approach. Like, look at the Edison Park yep. uh, plan, right? That, that was very elevated at the council level, had full exposure, multiple study sessions, and we are back out in the community again, having those meetings that went through community services, came back up, and we're back down in the community again. Um, I think we just start in the community with this. I'd love to see um, the irony of doing this at uh, the uh, senior center, um, where we can, where we had a measure C vote to, to move that project forward uh, with lots of input from folks. Uh, but I think the community services commission could also absolutely weigh in and then let staff kind of aggregate it all together. Cool. Um, and then come back at, at a study session where we can talk, give staff final direction, and bring it back as an item. But Sounds I, good. I think that yeah. I think staff can figure out a plan that 
addresses kind of that conversation, yep. and I, I think I think the community input's going to be very important on this. I agree. So, Casey, you're asking to table this. Yeah. So I not. think it's just. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's, we need a motion on that. What do we do? We have new. No, I mean it's been tabled. Just table it. Yeah. Unless oh. there's objection. No, no objection. Do no we objection. need to vote on that? No. Uh, as long as there's no objection, we no. can table it. Right. Okay. So uh, with that, members, we've gone through everything. Um, I would like to make a motion. I'd like, yeah, go ahead, Travis. Sorry, we did not cover 303, cancellation of meetings. I believe that, I thought that was covered in CalMix. That we just covered 312 in that. 303 is in the measure L. Right, but yeah. the, there's some language in 303, the proposed language that doesn't match in Measure L, so we just want to make sure oh, that the, that's noted. I think that that's a good point. It's the, there's the in Measure L, there was no language that said in the event um, shall uh, the city council shall have one meeting uh, each month, and that's not in Measure L, and it makes sense to add that in. Okay, at this point, yeah, that's fine. Um, so I, well, we don't have to vote on it because we'll come back at the next yeah. meeting. Yeah, yeah and, and, and please put it in because uh, we moved as amended, and we'll just yeah. we'll just agree to put we that can in. See it at the next meeting. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, so with that, I would like to make a motion on the, there's been concern about the uh, bundling of items, so I would like to make a motion that we do voter ID standalone, flag ordinance standalone, and then uh, Mr. Kalmick's measure along with the two-year budget being the third measure, and that's what I would propose that we do moving forward. And that would include? Would include uh, cancelization of yeah. A that's all. Yeah, that's, that's all in the comic. Okay. I right. second that. Okay, it's been moved and seconded. Uh, clerk, call Just the roll. As a quick point of clarification, sure. we will have another vote after this vote to to direct staff to bring that all back as yeah. discussed. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Madam Clerk, call the roll. Did you get the motion? Did staff get all of that? Okay. The Can motion you is. That please. The motion is. Elections. First alone? measure. First measure that passed, uh, first measure, voter ID, stands alone. Mm -hmm. The flag ordinance stands alone. Mm -hmm. The measure L, CalMIC, you know, going from 300, 303, 304, 311, 312, 400, 601, 604, 801, 804, 312, be bundled with the two-year budget for the third measure. So those are the three measures that have been moved and seconded. The elections does include the ballot boxes, right? Correct. Right. Correct. All right. So then you're saying a total of three. Correct. Total of three. It's been moved. It's been seconded. Any question? No. Staff? Please call the roll. All right. Councilmember Kalmick. Aye. Mosier. Aye. Vandermark. Yes. Strickland. Aye. McKeon. Yes. Bolton. No. Burns. Aye. Item passes six one. Okay. Bolton. No. And then now, what's left that we make a motion to direct staff to uh, city attorney to prepare return ballot measure language and approved amendments and all the right. materials required. Okay. Is that a motion? No. So um, I'd like to move that we put all this over to the city attorney's office to come back for our meeting, which is October 17th. October 17th. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. I've been moved. Second. It's been seconded by Mr. Burns. Uh, call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick? No. Councilmember Mosier? No. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Yes. McKeon? Yes. Bolton? No. Burns? Yes. 4-3. Okay. Passes. All right, members, now going down to our agenda, 
it goes back to public 92nd uh, public comments. City Clerk, do we have anybody uh, to speak? Well, as before, since it's hard to determine, I'm just going to invite anybody that would like to make a second comment to come down. We have all the names recorded in our okay. system. Perfect. So. Thank you. You Thank asked you. for public comment, and you got it. 95% opposed, 5% in favor, and you ignored it. That is not representative government. That is not democracy. You disgust me. And you are a bully, Tony. You are an out-and-out -out bully. You don't listen. You, don't ha you had a predetermined agenda. You had a predetermined outcome. And this was just a sham. For being here. Next speaker. Uh, my, name, my name again is Tim Geddes, 40-year resident and voter in the last 10 local elections. Again, I was an OCROV poll worker in the last election. I was well-trained and well-supervised. There were no problems at my location, less than five miles from my house. No problems anywhere to my knowledge. While I am disgusted with the actions of the council majority in this process, I am more disgusted with the actions of the city attorney. City attorneys are supposed to protect the, their city councils from the consequences of their actions. Our city attorney has not, uh, has not only not done this, but has placed our city in legal jeopardy and will wind up bankrupting us in the process. Shame on him. We deserve better. Thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for being here. First, I want to thank uh, Councilwoman Bolton for her principal position on this matter. I know that you had uh, an item that you would like to propose, and you abstained from that as well. So I recognize that position, and I thank you for um, you know, your clarity on that item. Um, second, I want to speak again directly to Councilmember McKeon. Um, I, think, I hope it's been clear to you that people have been very clear regarding the flag item. This is nothing more than a blatant pride flag ban, and I'm sad to have our council, you know, represented by people who don't recognize that, who can't listen to the community when they say, hey, this is an important item that affects our community members. Um, you know, and I really would hate for, you know, homophobia in HB to be associated with your name, but now it is. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Thank you, Cindy Resnick. Uh, it's no surprise of the outcome tonight. And um, I think you're fooling yourself when you say things like, yeah, but we want to get, uh, constituent input, because you clearly don't, because you know 90% of those that wrote 72 letters today and only four people supported your moving forward with this. Did any of you take the time to read those? Because I did. Hundred, couple hundred people vote against it, but really you don't care. Plus the staff spent a lot of time preparing their report to answer the many questions that you had asked, and you never even took time tonight to give the staff time to present their report indicating that the elections would cost millions of dollars. So it's right there, you ask the information. Also, I'd really appreciate if you could learn, say, Robert's Rules of Order. When somebody calls a question that requires a vote, you need to vote on that. When you ask, have a first and a second, you need to ask your co-members for discussion, not just plow through, plow through, plow through, because we all know that you can't wait to text your friend, Donald Trump, to let him know that despite the vast majority of people that didn't want this, you plowed it through. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next speaker, thanks for being here. 
so I, I guess I appreciated Gracie, uh, as always, showing where her true priorities are. Um, I appreciated the PragerU presenter, um, Ami Horowitz. He's a, he's a satirist, by the way. He is a self-proclaimed satirist. That was satire. Uh, but clearly, since um, anecdotal evidence seems to have some impact on the four of you, um, I'll share my experience with getting an ID and how difficult that is. Because I changed my name, right? Just the process of changing my name cost me $450 just for the fees, right? I had to wait several months for the court to process that, not to mention actually going to an attorney to make sure I had the papers filed correctly. And then once I got the, the court approval on my name change, I then had to take additional time off work to go and get my social security card updated, which thankfully is free, thanks for that, um, to the state, not to you guys. Um, and, uh, and then I had to go get my driver's license which, and, and an ID, which cost me an additional $70, not to mention the time off of work. So all of that together cost me over $1,000 in terms of fees and lost income. That, and, and months of time. That is not a simple process. This is the kind of stuff that we're talking about. And I'm a white guy. I'm not out here saying that it's only black people who can't Ten get seconds. their votes. So I, the idea that this is somehow a race issue is insane to me. Um, but, you know, there's that. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Thank you. Mary Kyle, um, I oppose the flag amendment to the city charter, which you've already voted on. Um, at the city council meeting on September 28, 2023, council member Burns stated that the amendment was to include the display of flags at Huntington Beach libraries, such as special events um, like the National, Heritage, National Hispanic Heritage Month. So I have questions. Um, if I were to walk into a HB library wearing a t-shirt displaying the Scottish flag, my heritage, is that allowed under the charter? Could I wear a lapel pin? Could HB employees or volunteers do the same? Uh, can I drive my car onto city property if it had an actual Scottish flag attached to it? Can HB libraries display books if they have the Scottish flag on the cover? And so on and so on and so forth. Um, and when does all of this dis banning of dis um, displayed flags start to infringe on First Amendment rights? Um, if this seems trivial or foolish, imagine that instead of the Scottish flag, I'd really said the pride flag. What would you enforce then? Uh, when you take away the rights... When you try to take away the rights of one group, you ended up taking them away from everybody. Uh, city council member claims to oppose identity politics. The flag amendment is identity politics. It's just an identity that council member Burns, McLeon, Strickland, and Vandermark support. That's MAGA uh, politics. And you can't claim to be a patriot and love America when you hate so much of it. Thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for being here. I'm an HB voter and resident since 1985, and quite frankly, this entire process has been flawed from the beginning. Managing our tax dollars wisely and providing city services that benefit the majority of our residents should be the number one priority of our city council. No one has demonstrated to me and to most of us that these proposed charter amendments are necessary. They do not manage our tax dollars well. They do not provide a city service that benefits the majority of our residents. And if you are true fiscal conservatives, then you would not be making choices that spend our tax dollars with so many unknowns, both now and in our future. Please stop calling yourselves fiscal conservatives, because you aren't. Thank you. Next speaker. Yes, um, I began by thanking um, Councilman McKeon for um, this process, allowing us to speak 
um, and uh, giving him some credit for being willing to listen and change his mind. Uh, unfortunately, I'm saddened tonight because um, I think I was a little premature. Uh, we have had a multitude of people speak, send in documentation, saying, don't do this, and you don't listen. You just move on. I would like to see some respect return to, to the city council. I would like to see this dais once more work to promote for the protection and the promotion of the people and the city of Huntington Beach and stop being a partisan, politicized platform for the MAGA agenda that is so divisive and includes disinformation and the support of the lies that have gotten us to this very difficult place in our nation. Next speaker. Uh, the city council has recently denounced or done away with the mask mandate, um, the mask mandate and vaccine mandate as overreach. There is nothing more overreach than the charter amendment. It sets up a whole new bureaucracy to go onto the uh, ballot. It's $1.2 million. Do we have that money? Do the taxpayers want that? Um, then to set up all, the setup after that, after it's on the ballot, is $2 million is projected to happen after that. To set up all of these voter stations, hire people to do this, count the votes. Um, I don't think that any taxpayer in this audience is really in favor of such a thing. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Thank you for having me again. I wasn't going to speak a second time, but Gracie inspired me. Um, I'm a fan of the Old Testament and a lot of the wisdom that's in there, and I like what the prophet Jeremiah had to say to the Israelis, that the sins of the father will be visited upon the son for seven generations. It's poetic. It's vague. But it gets to the point that sins and actions and unjust laws have consequences that are long-lasting. So in regards to Gracie's point that um, all of us white folks shouldn't bring up race, I'd like to just list some of the examples of racism in this country that have occurred in the previous seven generations that might have material impacts on people today, which is not to question the quality of, of other people of other races, but is to say there are material differences in our circumstances. Mass incarceration, red lines in banking preventing them from getting loans, racial covenants in housing preventing them from buying homes in neighborhoods, many of which were here in Orange County, medical testing on black prisoners, which was involuntary, civil rights protest brutality, including the assassinations of MLK, Malcolm X, and Fred Hampton, FDR's New Deal, many of those programs of which did not include blacks, such as the GI Bill, which my grandpa used to buy a home and get an education and build a life and wealth for himself in this city. Uh, Woodrow Wilson segregated the federal government. Um, Ten seconds. I am trying to figure out uh, how Tulsa, Oklahoma burned down way back when. There's all those Jim Crow laws. There were massacres of black elected state legislatures, not legislators, legislatures, and of course, slavery. Seven Thank generations. You. Thank you. Next speaker. My name's Harry McLaughlin. I live in Huntington Beach. The voting tonight went pretty much exactly as I thought it would, despite an overwhelming majority providing you facts which negated the very premises you pro of your proposed changes to the proven voting procedures currently in place. You failed to cease your willful ignorance and listen to the majority of your constituents. You requested public feedback 
by holding these special meetings. You received it in spades. You failed to act on it. You acted against it. You're an embarrassment. I'd like to thank Councilman Karim, Ka Dan, Moser, and Bolton for injecting some intelligence and reason into these discussions, qualities that were severely lacking in the other four conservatives. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Hi, Ann Palmer, 30-year-plus resident of Huntington Beach. This has been a very interesting process. I thank you, Mayor Strickland, and all our council members for going through this and involving the public. It's obvious to me that you are, in fact, listening. The amount of tweaking and discussion that's happened is excellent. Notice that the proposed amendments were, in fact, unbundled as requested by many of the populace here. And they will appear on the ballot, on the ballot for public vote. So nothing is being railroaded. <clears throat> Anecdotally, I just want to say this. Yesterday, I bought Sudafed. I need an ID. The use of ID to vote is not, for me, a response to voter fraud in Orange County. They score pretty well. They're in the upper percentile <clears throat> of clean elections. However, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And the more we centralize things, the less control we have locally. So I applaud you. I think we need voter ID, and we think, I think we should also look into E-Verify to make certain that who's voting is who they say, they, who say they're voting. I've had fraud initiated on me, and I want to say the one place that was really clear on investigating it was the California DMV. My birth certificate was stolen, and somebody pretended to be me, and it was the DMV that cleared it up, and it was at no cost to me. Thank you so much for taking us through this process, and very best to you. Thank you. Next speaker. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Mayor and City Council members. Uh, first off, I want to thank uh, Mayor Strickland, uh, Mayor Pro Tem Van Mark, Councilman McKeon, and Councilman Burns for standing in the fire, uh, as our, uh, one of the speakers said earlier tonight. But more importantly, there's a speaker before us, like three before me, that was talking about racism in the United States, and he, he described the Democratic Party perfectly. 1860, there's 4 million slaves in the United States, 98% owned by the Democrats in, in the South. In 19, 1863, Lincoln uh, started the Emancipation Proclamation, free the slaves. 1867, a Democrat, Nathan Bedford Forrest, started the KKK, not a Republican, a Democrat. The Jim Crow law started in the 1860s and went to the 1960s by the Democrats in the South, not Republicans. Jim, when he mentioned uh, Woodrow Wilson, and Wilson Woodrow Wilson had the uh, birth of a nation played in the White House. That wasn't a Republican, that was a Democrat. And when the, when the uh, Japanese Americans were, in, were put in, uh, in, uh, in camps in May of 1942, that was by FDR, and, and, and he was a Democrat, not a Republican. And the civil rights laws did not go into effect in the in, in, in 1960s. It was not until the Nixon administration they actually went through. But if you look at the United States to this day, every, every city that we have a huge murder problem, there, there's the, with the, probably ten the seconds, top 20 ten seconds. are all democratically run cities, not Republicans. Next speaker, thank you. Hello, my name is Kenny Noy. I may not be the last speaker, but I certainly want you to listen to what I have to say. It's been stipulated or estimated that the decision to put the ballot, the voter ID on the ballot, will cost the city upwards of over $5 million. I asked all of you if you would spend your personal money to pursue a project or buy something that you did not need, and nobody raised their hand. So as a resident of this city, 
I respectfully ask you to ask yourself, why are you willing to spend our money for something that's clearly not needed? Thank you. Well, Mayor, uh, Strick, Mayor Strickland, City Council members, thank you. Um, a couple of things just to mention uh, how disappointed I am by this charade uh, and that um, it really has awoken um, most of us to what is happening here. And I do appreciate the analogy of the camel's nose under the tent that uh, the voter ID issue, it's ridiculous. Um, when we register to vote, which I did, I don't know what year it was, who knows, but it's been tracked and compared to my driver's license, my signature is compared to on the ballot to what I originally uh, signed up for. Um, it's, it's a waste of so much, uh, so much good. And with that, um, the flag is absolutely a beacon, a sign of freedom, liberty, justice for all, and it's a big, ambitious, aspirational image. And it's something that we all aspire to live by. And it can encompass many, many other ideas and groups. Uh, and I, I just, I'm, I'm really, really disappointed. Um, we've failed in our civics education, although I've Thank learned you. quite a bit. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Yes, Laura Sire. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just wanted to come back and say that um, we all know that this voter ID, and we keep trying to talk, it's like so weird because it's like this big like discussion and it's very clear that it's voter suppression. It's going on all over the country, similarly, unfortunately. And I'm really sad that my city is, is part of this because when it comes down to it, you go into all the details, but it is definitely making it harder for people to vote. And the people who probably work the hardest and have the toughest time, and they need to be able to vote. So. I wish the four would stop voting as a block group think and think for themselves, but it just seems like we're stuck. <laughs> sure. Thanks, Speaker. Thank you for being here. Guys, I told you this before. An ink, you, you put your finger in there, you're inked, that means you voted. Lots of countries do it. There's nothing else you have to worry about. <laughs> Seriously, ever since that we started doing electronic voting, Everybody, every single election, we're always talking about the voting machines, we're talking about the voting and how to do it. If we went back to regular paper, I bet you it's a lot cheaper. We always have the evidence. That's it. Seriously, or at least just the ink and the finger. Lots of countries do it and it works really well. And you can't wash that ink off for at least two days. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thank you. I wasn't going to speak tonight, but I've never been so sad at looking at a group that I've always had the greatest confidence in, and that was our city council. I was a Democrat serving with all Republicans, but every one of us knew that we were a nonpartisan group, and it never was shown that any of us took our political beliefs in making this city a better place. <clears throat> 
you know that you should have started off with a citizens committee and we would have not reached this point of divisiveness in this community that you have produced. You've also threatened the economy of this city. Believe me, the business community is looking at the work that you have not done. And there are going to be consequences in a city that depends on tourism as one of their top industries. And so we're going to pay a terrible price we have lost too many of the lawsuits we've had with the state, and we will lose again. You are costing the citizens of this community a very high price for having your own personal issues addressed. And so again, I wasn't going to speak, but I had to, because I am sad, Ten, ten I am upset, and I hope that after months of giving you a chance to govern our city, you will take the advice that you've Thank been you. given tonight and do so. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. I think I'm the last one. Um, I wanted to talk more about all the things, all the costs, so I'm just going to say, um, who's going to pay for all of this voting infrastructure? We are. We the people. We the taxpayer. We are going to pay. And Tony, it's, this is not a game. This is not a game. This is foolish for you to open us up to all of the, these expenses and potential litigation. You're playing with our lives in our city. You're using this as a stepping stone to further political aspirations. That's what this is. You want to check this box. You want to be able to say, I brought voter ID to Huntington Beach and use that in campaign stuff and rallies and whatever stuff. That's all this is. This is just a stepping stone, and you're using us. 10 seconds. All right, thank you. Next speaker. Balancing a bank ad. On that note, $400 million on a JPA, and you guys are crying about this. I agree to changes. Oh, I just lost my thing. I agree to changes that will benefit all residents of Huntington Beach. The minor wording to make the charter more feasible enhances aspects of the voting process stronger with availability. 20 more accessible ADA-approved voting places. Stop trying to disregard handicapped and elderly that want to vote in person. Don't be lazy, people. Update your IDs with your true address. It's not hard. Voter ID and maybe city council can do something with E-Verify, too. Respectively, we need to enhance the charter wording, adding in the elected officials that we the people have elected and place them on dais, except Bolton. Stop the weaponization of our elected official seat. Stop the madness. Let's change the charter. It only gets on the ballot for voters to support or oppose. I love our city flags that are for all people, not a specific group. We are a very patriotic and proud city where everyone is welcome. Our American flag, city flag, county flag, military flags, and the Olympic specialty flag, if we get it here, welcoming all people from all countries. These are charter amendments changes that are truly needed. 
It hasn't been updated since 2013. I support pro tem Mayor Gracie Vandermark, Pat Burns, and our sweet Mayor Tony Strickland. God bless you guys for having conviction. All right, thank you. Um, I move that we adjourn the meeting. It's been seconded by Mr. Burns. Uh, we're adjourned. Uh, the next regularly scheduled meeting on the Huntington Beach City Council Public Finance Authority is Tuesday, October 17, 2023.